Welcome to episode 8 of the Board Game Battles Podcast. We take two board games of the common trait, discuss each, and see if we can declare a winner. I'm your host, Randall, and with me today are my co-hosts, Jeff and Drew. Good morning. Hello. Uh, today we're going to be discussing two games that are cooperative, that have a traitor element to them. Uh, we're going to be discussing uh, Shadows Over Camelot versus Battlestar Galactica. With the Shadows Over Camelot, we just played it pretty much straight, is uh, with no expansions, just um, as is out of the box. Battlestar Galactica, I do have all of the expansions for it, so um, we did a little bit of a mixing and mashing with it. Tried to play it as close to um, original as possible, but with a few of the expansions thrown in that just helped make it a little bit better, and we'll discuss that as uh, we go on. And then uh, following our discussion, we will have... Our uh, Imperial Assault segment, where we'll chat about uh, Imperial Assault. We're coming up onto our regional, so we'll probably be talking a bit about that and what maps and lists we'll be looking at. Let's get into our first game, Shadows Over Camelot. Uh, it was released in uh, 2005. Uh, has a 7.2 rating um, out of 20,000 uh, ratings. Uh, designer is Bruno Cathala and Serge Laggett. Now, Bruno Cathala, he's been around quite a long time. I think he's been designing since around 2002. Um, and most notably, he's done some more recent games that are, uh, I think, have been a bit more popular, um, including, let's see, uh, Seven Wonders Duel, Abyss. Uh, he did Five Tribes and Cyclades. So he's uh, some of his bigger names that he's done, but he's also done, you know, Mr. Jack and a bunch of other games I'm not even familiar with. So, he, but he's he's been designing quite a long time and has quite a lot to show for it. So it's uh, he's, you know, he's been around for a while and he's a good designer. Uh, Serge Laguette, I'm not as familiar with. Uh, looking at some of the games that he's done, he has done some pretty notable games as well. Uh, Cargo Noir, uh, Mare Nostrum, he's done. Uh, Ad Astra, so he's hasn't been around quite as long as uh, Bruno Cathala, but he's done quite a few good games. Uh, so he has a, a pretty good, uh, impressive uh, lineup as well. Artists for the game: uh, Cyril Dujon and Julian Deval. Uh, publishers: Days of Wonder. Uh, so they tend to make really good quality games. Uh, so nothing to complain about there. So that yeah, that's some of the. Uh, stuff that they've done. Um, going down to the rule book, it's typical Days of Wonder uh, rule book. It's in a really nicely laid out, uh, very colorful. It has a good um, illustrations for the setup um, of the game. Within the first few pages, there's a nice big uh, setup uh, illustration for everything, telling you how to get everything going. You know, it's fairly clear when it comes to describing the gameplay and the cards. There's a second uh, manual that is the Book of Quests, which tells you about the different quests that you'll be uh going on during this game now there were a few times when we we're looking for stuff in the in the manual where it wasn't always easiest to find yeah i think the only one that we really had a hard time finding in there that, that i had to rely on the pdf so i could just search for it was they, they aren't entirely clear until page 10 what you do with with the uh the decks when when they run out when they run out for uh yeah do you reshuffle them or does you know does yeah. that affect the gameplay in any way well um, and, and it kind of mattered because uh, as it turned out uh when we ran through the white deck when you reshuffle it you actually reshuffle the black deck as well yeah which is a little bit odd maybe and but, they only mentioned that under the um where you under the section for drawing a black card is, is where they mentioned that if if either deck runs out 
then you have to uh, shuffle both decks. So they don't mention that at all when you're when they're talking about you know drawing white cards. So it's it's sort of you have to find that little tidbit as you're as you're reading through the manual. But otherwise, you know, the, most of the manuals laid out fairly well, and it's not too hard to find things. It's just a little tidbit here or there that isn't the easiest to find when you're looking. But the, both books are done really well. And really nice production value for both of them. For the most part, fairly clear. Well, I think it, it, they have the benefit of this is not an overly complex game. No. You don't really need a... a there's not so many rules that uh, you can't get going very quickly. No, that's true. Uh, Component-wise, the components are really nicely done. You get plastic miniatures for all the knights, which are um, you know fairly decent quality. They're not mm-hmm. like the fanciest miniatures out there but they do the job they, and they look nice i think one of our one of my knights was a little leany i guess yeah, so mine he, too. he could be uh he could be fixed a bit but um other than that though it's not too bad uh you get a nice little uh you get all these little plastic catapults you get um um miniatures for the picks the picks and, and the, the saxons, saxons that and you'll the be running into throughout the game yeah each of the um main things that you're looking for in this game there's the holy grail lancelot's armor and um, Excalibur um, all have little plastic miniatures, which are, you know, fairly nice. It's a really well-produced game. They did a really good job with it. It's it's They put the money into it, and it shows. Mm-hmm. So it's really nice. And the board, you know, everything's really nice quality. The board and the cards are typical, you know, pretty nice quality cards and board. Any um, chits, like you have these little cardboard swords that you use throughout the game. Again, good quality for those. And then you get a bunch of little wooden dice, but they're not for really rolling. They're just more for keeping track of hit points for your knights. Again, nice little dice, but they're since you're not rolling them, it's not as big a deal. Yeah, the the only die that you actually roll um, there's an eight sided die. Yeah, there's an eight sided die, and that one's plastic. Yeah, and it's a typical plastic eight sided die. Nothing yep. too too special about it. So that's the components. Uh, so now I'll go on to gameplay. This one is a fairly straightforward game. Uh, everybody takes the role of a knight. Um, now, this does have a trader mechanic. So what you first do is everybody um, randomly gets a knight. So you don't get to choose your knight. And that's due to um, to do with your start player. If anybody gets assigned King Arthur, then that person becomes the first player. Otherwise, then you randomly determine who the uh, first player will be. I think in the game rules, they say it's the uh, youngest player. I'm not sure. But um, we just rolled our hit point dies, which are just standard six-sided dies, and and it happened to be the youngest player. And it happened to be the youngest player anyway. Yeah. So maybe that works out. I don't know. But you determine your first player. Everybody gets their character card and their miniature. The miniatures all go on the main board. You have Camelot, which has the round table. And also has another section, um, which are like the armaments, sort of, where uh, catapults will eventually be placed to attack Camelot. Uh, so that's the main Camelot area. And so there's a little space at, at the uh, the table, one for each potential knight and so up to seven players can play the base game so there's a, a place for each knight that's colored in their color you know their player board color uh, for them to go on the main board there's a few sideboards but on the main board there's also an area where the picks will be coming in and an area for the saxons and then there's also the black knight which is sort of like a little um tournament which is a jousting tournament that you'll be fighting against him at that location. So that's the main board. Then there's a few sideboards. There's a sideboard for Lancelot for trying to get his armor. There's a sideboard for the Holy Grail where you're trying to get the Grail. And then there's another sideboard for the lake where you're trying to get Excalibur. And those are the main sideboards that you have on the 
around the board. So once you have everything set up, you also have to determine who your trader is going to be. There's eight loyalty cards, seven you know, regular ones, your, your loyal, and one trader card. Uh, in the base game, regardless of how many players are playing, you shuffle all eight cards and deal out a loyalty card for everybody. So it's quite, you know, it's, there's a possibility that there may not be a trader at all. And in our game, there wasn't a trader at the end. Which I, I think with, I think that's a balancing feature with the less players having a trader, like you don't want Makes that. it, it yeah, it could make difficult. it too tough if there's a trader. Um, they do have an alternate rule. Um, if you want to make it more challenging is to almost try to guarantee that you have a trader is you take out some of the loyalty cards so that I think there might be, if you have a five player game, you might have six loyalty cards, one being the trader. So it's still a chance, but a, a, slow, a, a slimmer chance that there won't be a trader. Uh, but that's the basic setup. And then how the game goes, um, everybody, um, starting with the, the first player, takes a turn. And how the turn order goes is, um, first, you do the progression of evil. So you have to make a choice. Each player makes a choice at the beginning of their round. They can either um, take a black card, which can have a varying number of effects in it. Most of the, There's quite a few black cards that are combat cards. And depending on the picture, it determines where you put it on the board. Uh, there's cards for that'll um, add picks or Saxons to their respective areas, meaning that they're getting closer to um, being able to attack. There's uh, cards for despair cards, which are used around the Holy Grail, and the Holy Grail is actually a track. The Grail board has seven locations that you can put cards, uh, starting from a light side to the dark side. If you get a, a dark grail it goes on the dark side and if it ever fills up full with dark grails despair cards then you lose the chance of ever getting a grail and alternately the the heroes are trying to play white grails like regular holy grails to fill up the whole track with grails so that you can get the holy grail each quest whether it be the grail lancelot excalibur the picts or the black knight have a success or a failure um result so if you look at it, it could be that if you um, push back the Saxons or the Picts, you'll get um, a white sword to put around the, the round table. Um, and if you and you'll usually tend if anybody who's at that area at a particular quest at when it's completed, if uh, you succeed, you'll usually heal some wounds. If it, if you fail, you'll lose some wounds. Um, you get white or black swords to put around the the uh, the whole um, the round table, depending if you succeed or not. If they succeed, you may also get some white cards that you can distribute among people who helped with the quest um, to use in the game. So this game is all about going out, doing quests to try and succeed and or, or fail. The way you fail this game, if the t when the table ever gets seven black swords, you automatically fail. Or otherwise, the game ends when the table is full of swords, and as long as there's more white swords and black swords along around the table, then you win. If the courtyard ever has is ever full of catapults and i think it might be 12 yeah it is 12 catapults you lose and if ever um is it i think if, if all you, the heroes all the dead, heroes except die the traitor except the traitor then um that's that, that's the other way you can lose and obviously the trade if you do have a traitor they're trying to help the game win without necessarily giving away they're the traitor um they can be revealed at some point you can't ex accuse them of being the trader if you find the right trader then the trader turns over and then i think they're doing a bit more stuff to they're still playing but um it's a little more active it's a little bit more sabotage. active as opposed to yeah. trying yeah, they, to do it behind the scenes 
Yeah, I think they call it in the shadows. In the shadows, yeah. So yeah, so during your round, you're doing, you're choosing an evil thing, and like I said, your evil thing can either be you play a black, you pick a black card from the top and do what it says. You can take a wound so that you're not um, doing anything else that's bad around the the board, or you can put out a catapult. So adding to that section. So those are the three progression of evil things you can do. Once you've done that. You can take your turn. You have an action you can do. Your action can be moving to a quest. Um, if you're in Camelot, you can also um, draw some more white cards. You can fight catapults if you're in Camelot as an option for one of your one of your actions. Or if you're at a quest, then you can play a card related to that quest. A lot of there's quite a few quests where you're playing certain white numbered cards. If it's fighting the Saxons or picks, you want a straight. So you have to play one, then the two, then the three, then in, in order, up to five. Same with the the Saxons. So Saxons and picks are the same quest. Multiple knights can go to those quests to help out. There's a few quests that only a single knight can go to and and try to complete. One um, one of those is the Black Knight, and in order to defeat the Black Knight, you have to have a pair of white cards and two pairs of white cards. I think it is, or is it? Yeah, the black knight. Yeah, two yeah, pair. two pairs of white cards, and then what you're trying to do is, if you get those two pairs put out, you add them up, and as long as they're greater than the black cards that have been put out for the black knight, then you win that quest. If the black knight's more, then you lose the quest, and his uh, bad effect happens. Uh, you can leave that quest um, in the middle of it. So if you put out a couple cards, you don't have enough cards to put out the rest, you can leave it and somebody else can go there and try to finish it. The other single quest is Lancelot's armor. And that's a little bit harder. Um, there's, you have to do three of a kind on one side and then a pair on the other to try to, um, get his armor. One of the things I didn't mention is when you're doing the progression of evil, if you pull a, a fight card, like a numbered card, if it's, and it's specific to whatever, if it's, uh, these are going to be specific to either Lancelot's quest or the Black Knight um, with these numbered cards. Uh, you have the option to put it face up so that everybody sees what that number is or put it face down. The reason to put it face down would be, well, one, if you're the trader, you can hide a high number and not people wouldn't know. But typically, if you're not a trader, if you want to put it face down, if it's a low-numbered card, you're going to figure, well, we have a good chance of beating this quest still. I'll put it face down. I then get to draw a white card. So that's the advantage of putting a card face down is getting more white cards into your hand. The Lady of the Lake, we were doing a bit wrong. That's when I always screw up and <laughs> when, we, when we play this game because you play, you play it once, you put it away for a while, and then you go back to it, you read the rules, but you always miss something. And I tend to miss the, the Excalibur quest doing that properly. It's supposed to be that any number of knights can go there. And what you do during your turn is you can discard any white card to move the sword closer to your side of the shore. There are cards that will move it away from the shore to the other other shore, and if it gets there before you get it, then you lose the sword. And the the, the any of these extra quests, either if you succeed or if you fail them, you um, once they're done, they flip over, and then typically what will happen is if that card comes up, it adds another catapult. Another bad thing will happen. Um, except for, I think, Lancelot... If you finish his quest, it flips over and then there's a dragon you have to worry about. So you have to go and fight the dragon. Yeah, that's essentially it. So there's a lot of special cards in there as well. Like within the black, there's special people like Mordred or Morgana will show up and they have, you know, effects that'll, that'll really mess you up. 
Uh, there are cards that can make it so that you can't play a certain type of card until a quest has been completed. We ran, in, we almost ran into that with the Grails, um, where we would have been that we would could not play a Grail card until we um, complete another quest. But there are ways you can sort of counter cards. There's the Merlin card, which on the white, everyone starts with a Merlin card, but you can also get more by pulling cards from the white deck. Uh, and Merlin, what it can do is you can use a, a single Merlin card to um, cancel a regular combat card that's just been played or the la- on a quest. The last black combat card isn't played on a quest. Or collectively, the, the team, everybody can use three Merlin cards to get rid of a, a special card um, as it's about to come out. So there's there are some ways to mitigate some of these bad cards that come out. Um, as long as they have the Merlin cards to counter them. But that's essentially the game. Um, every knight has their own special power. Um, and they vary. It could be like uh, King Arthur can blindly trade a card with somebody else. Um, so he can give them a card. They won't know what it is and take a card from them. Um, it's one The only real way to trade any cards in the game is using King Arthur's ability. Um, some card, there's a knight, I don't remember the name, um, who can leave Camelot for free. and then. Yeah, Tristan, like Sir, Sir Tristan. And then, so they leave Camelot for free, and then when they get to a quest, they can go ahead and, and take part in that quest right away. Otherwise, if you're, whenever you're moving, you'll move from either Camelot to or a quest, or from a quest to another quest. You, when you get to the new quest, you can't do anything right away, unless you, um, you do have the option of taking a wound to act again. So you can go ahead and do something right away. So there's a lot of ways to take wounds, uh, not a lot of ways to get wounds back. Um, one way to get wounds back is to discard three cards that are the same. So three numbered cards are all the same, or three of a, another quest card, and then you get one wound back. Um, there are some special cards that will appear once in a while that'll allow you to get wounds back. And whenever you complete a quest, if you're at that quest that gets completed, They'll typically get a wound back that time as well. Some of the other knight powers that I remember, um, I think I was Sir Gawain. No, I can't remember. But my special ability was at at uh, the round table or in Camelot. Um, if you take the draw cards action, typically you get two cards. The knight I had could get three. That is Gawain. That was Gawain? Okay. I don't remember. I had, if I completed a quest, I got an extra health back for completing it. That's right. I yeah. forget which yeah. knight uh, I was. Palamedes. Palamedes, okay. yeah. Um, Tara, uh, she, your wife Tara, she had, um, she could play a white special, special card, card for, for free, free during her turn, yeah, but she didn't get uh, much of a chance to use it. She didn't have that. Because I got all the special cards. You get all the special cards, yeah. That's Galahad. Galahad. Uh, which one was yours, Drew? Uh, I had Sir Kay. Right. Um, and, and I, I did not use him correctly, but, oh. uh, if he's, if he's on a quest when combat ends, he can play an additional white card after the black cards have been revealed. Okay. Oh, so uh, that's right. So it's sort of like if he can, uh, if he's, you know, the cards are revealed and it looks like he might lose it, he can sort of boost his, uh, the white side score by playing another, another combat card. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and he also has, he can use his special ability we found out with the catapults as well. Yeah. He, he can do combat with the catapults and that's actually why I, I didn't quite use him correctly. Yeah. We, we started to get full up on, on catapults and, you know, sort of in the end game. And we, we really started to have some tough choices about whether or not to place catapults or whether to, you know, go to the, the, you know, drawing black cards. Whereas, you know, I, I think if I'd been out there fighting the catapults, that would have given us a lot. Helped more. a lot with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't describe that. So when you're in Camelot, one of the options is other than drawing cards is you can go and try to fight the catapults. 
And how that works is you, you, you say, I'm fighting a catapult. You can take combat cards from your hand, as many as you want, and whatever numbers you want, and say, okay, I'm using these cards to fight a catapult. And then you roll a black, the eight-sided die. And as long as you are greater than the eight-sided die with your number, like say you use, say, cards totaling seven. As long as you don't roll a seven or eight with that black-sided die, you defeat the catapult and the catapult goes away. If you roll the same number, like if the, if the number rolled is the same as what you used or higher, then the catapult wins and you lose your cards. So that's how you get rid of the catapults. There are, I think, other cards that might be... I think Merlin can get rid of catapults, the Merlin card. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But usually, if you want to get rid of catapults, you can just go ahead and fight them um, by using up cards. But yeah, so that, that's that. Um, so we played it yesterday. I don't know. I want to say it was a close game, but it would... We did fairly well. Like we, a lot of us were getting, cl- there's quite a few times we were close to dying. It was it was kind of a funny ending to the game because we were kind of we just reshuffled our white deck and yeah. the black deck, and we needed like two more catapults to lose, but we only needed one more sword to win, and it could have been black or white. So we're kind of like, well, let's try and get a quest to fail. Like, yeah, we were trying to have a quest to fail so that we could get one more black sword because most of these quests. Yeah, the failure is like one black sword, or the success is one white sword. So, you know, we were trying to, whatever. Um, there was a few quests, there's a couple quests, like uh, the Holy Grail quest, where it's three swords, three on success and three on failure. So it's, it's a bit tighter quest, but it could really, you know, swing it your way. And we had enough white swords out that as long as we could fill up that table with swords before anything bad happened... We we were pretty much going to guarantee the win. Well, and it helped that uh, we had heroism played on the Grail quest when we finished it, so we actually got four white swords for it instead right. of the normal three. We had, we had an extra white sword, so we had our like our and we had we went a couple other um, quests, so we had enough mm-hmm. swords that we unless we lost a lot of black quests that put us over um, because you can go over the number of swords. I think the table, I think it's 12. I think it like, I think the table. Cause yeah, as soon swords. as you hit seven black swords, you lose. So yeah. Or is there an odd number? Because that would make sense. Cause you can't have, no, no. Cause, the, cause, um, yeah, cause it's six win, black need, swords, but don't you need more white swords than black swords to win? If the you table's do. filled, but you can, yeah, you do need more white swords to win, but, um, when the game goes to end, like whatever turn it ends, it, it potentially could be more swords than there are spaces for swords. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, like, say, you know, you're right on the thing. Like, say we had seven white and five um, black. If, say, the very, or, or, or four black, if the last thing was, like, say, the grail, that we lost the grail or something and it put three more black on there, then we'd be at, like, seven and seven. So we'd probably end up failing there. I imagine. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's essentially that. Um, otherwise, yeah, it went fairly smooth. It was, it was, it was yeah, enjoyable. It, it, it went about the 90 minutes. Traitor. Yeah, it did definitely help <laughs> we didn't have a traitor. A traitor would have put us over the top, I think, pretty yeah. quickly for the, how close it was at the end with the catapults. They would have just had to put out a catapult or two. And yeah. then it's like with the Grail quest giving catapults because if the despair card came up and right. uh, Lady of the Lake quest with the Excalibur giving extra catapults if it came and up. Whenever, whenever the um, the lady, yeah, it's when you flip it over, it's like if that special card comes out, it's just another catapult. So yeah, regardless if you succeed or fail on a quest, if that quest flips over, it makes, just makes it harder to 
it makes it more likely that catapults are going to be coming out. But um, no, no. It, but other than that, is uh, it's still an enjoyable game. It was fun. Oh yeah, yeah fun. definitely. Yeah. yeah, everybody enjoyed it. It's like there's five of us. It took about they say on the side of the box sixty to ninety minutes, and that's not too far. But we had five people. We were in about the ninety minute range, for sure. Um, if we had seven people, it might have taken a bit longer, and we probably would have had a better chance of having a, a trader for sure. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, that's um, that's Shadows over Camelot. Um, so then now we'll just move over to uh, Battlestar Galactica. We don't have much more to say about that. Battlestar Galactica. This is going to be a tough one. <laughs> it's such a big game. Well, I mean, it, it is and it isn't. Um, the 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 actual player turn is not overly complex. There's there's not a lot, right? Uh, you know that that a player has to do you know you've essentially got a movement and an action kind of thing but it's it's just that there is so much um that you can do within those two things yeah yeah there's a lot of choice yeah yeah so let me bring it up here and we'll get into it Battlestar Galactica uh came out in 2008 20 uh impressive 7.8 rating out of 25,000 ratings so it, uh, it's quite up there uh the designer it's a fantasy flight game uh, and the designer is Corey Knitska. He, uh, and he's, you know, he's pretty, he's been doing, a, he does a lot for Fantasy Flight. He's been around quite a while. And you, you look at most of their games and, you know, if he's not the lead designer on it, he's usually involved in some way. Yeah, he has, uh, he has a lot of big games. He does. And including Imperial Assault, um, that we play, um, that we talk about. So, uh, like all those different Star Wars games he's involved in. Um, you know, even Descent, uh, but even outside that, I mean, Rune Wars and and yeah. Gears of War, yeah, Tide of yeah. Tide of Irons, another you know, off from two thousand seven, but it's another one. And Forbidden Stars, that's the back when Fantasy Flight still had the uh, Warhammer uh, licensing for board games. You know, they, he's he did quite a few of those as well, including that one. Prolific, and prolific, yeah, and a lot of the Eldritch stuff too, like a lot of the uh, Cthulhu stuff he's involved in as well. So, yeah. Um, I don't think I've run into really any games that he he's designed that I haven't liked yet. I don't not that I know of. Anyways, I haven't played everything that he's no. he's done, obviously. But at this moment, you know, I, I I can't really find too much that um that he's done that I haven't enjoyed. Um, artists, there's a number of different artists in this game. Uh, there's you know there's a lot of this that's taken straight because it's a an IP from a, a TV show. A lot of the stuff is you know direct from the show. But there are some there are some art in there as well, um, and it's all the way it's all laid out. But the artists are like um, Kevin Childress, Andrew Navarro, Brian Schoenberg, and Will Springer. The main publisher is Fantasy Flight Games, but then there's a few others here, maybe for other markets where they've also maybe partnered up with. Yeah, they they, they say it's a typical you know it's a three to six player game, which gets more depending on, uh, on the expansions you have. I have all the expansions, so I we can definitely play up to seven with, with some of the expansions. Typical playing time. They're saying playing time 120 to 240 minutes, which actually may be not too far off. That's two to four hours. And we, well, we're definitely close to that four-hour mark, maybe yeah. between three and four hours in our game, and that was with five players. But there, there was a lot of learning time for this one. There was a lot of learning time, yeah, when we're going through the rules and stuff, definitely. Uh, rule book, now... We were using the official rule books because I do own all the expansions. Um, there's definitely things in this game where you'll probably, when you have the base game, you know, it's definitely a good game out of the box. And the rule books are, are, you know, typical Fantasy Flight, um, production, you know, really, really nicely done. Um, 
you know, they have good diagrams for everything, showing you what things are what. You know, it has your, your setup, showing you how to get everything set up. And it's fairly well laid out. Now, because I, like I said, I do have all of the uh, expansions. And I do like to mix and match a bit, taking things from each expansion um, to use throughout the game. We were trying to, we were just playing like the standard COBOL um, mission, but we, uh, I did throw in stuff from the expansions, like the Pegasus was in there. Also, uh, using like the Cylon fleet board as opposed to the traditional way you do the Cylons, uh, to give some more additional things you can do. There's overlays for Colonial One and, um, for the, the main Cylon base star as well. Um, that sort of replaced the ones that came with the original game. So we, we were playing with a little bit of a mixed mash of everything. And so, because of that, um, if you go onto Board Game Geek, you can find a really nicely laid out um, combination rule book. I'm not sure; I can't remember who. Uh, if you look it on there, it'll tell you, on Board Game Geek, it'll tell you who produced it. But somebody's taken all of the uh, the rules from all the different sets and combined them into a single kind of rule book. And what they've done is, you know, so depending on how you're playing it, uh, if you have any of the expansions that you want to play with, there's um, usually like colored um, boxes. For, for different expansions for that you'll use if you're adding them into your game. So a lot of the stuff that we were playing with, like the, the Cylon Fleet Board and all that, they sort of have as the basics, um, as part of the basic rules. I think it's just because a lot of the people recognize that like the Cylon Fleet Game Board just makes the Cylons a little bit nicer, um, you know, gives you a lot more options with the Cylons and gives, you know, if you are a Cylon, more options for you to do. If you, uh, if you ever get exposed as a Cylon. So I have this, exp- this, um, combined rules, uh, that we were using. Um, I don't, you know, if I, I should give full credit if I can. Commander Koenig is the username that, um, put these together because it just did a great job on it. Um, sometimes it can be a bit tough to look through, um, if you're trying to find specific rules, but not, um, not overly too bad though. It, Sometimes it's just, uh, there's a lot of text to have to go through. And it's, and that's the nature of this game. There's so much in the expansions and that's come out for it and the show itself that there's a lot to read through to try to find stuff. But, you know, it's, it's fairly well done. Uh, component wise, it's, you know, can't really complain. It's, it's typical, uh, Fantasy Flight. You know, good quality cord, cardboard, good quality board. Everything's nicely done. Uh, the board has, uh, number of dials that you have sort of have to put together the first time you ever uh first time you punch it out for keeping track of various uh, resources throughout the game and you know it's it's put together really nicely this my copies had quite a few uses and you know it might show a little bit of wear but it's still in good shape so i i can't complain about it it uh it's really nicely done and all the boards are are typical typical same kind of quality Everything's just good quality, good quality cardboard, nice and tough. You get a lot of different chits with this game, a lot of chits and cards. Uh, like typical Fantasy Flight stuff, they have a combination of uh, full-size cards and, and the little half um, mini-size cards. Uh, the mini-size cards typically are used for your skills. Every character has certain skill um, skills they can draw from. And then the big cards, there's uh, there's sort of like the, the main crisis deck that you'll be going through as you play the game for each player's turn. But all the cards, again, they kind of got that linen finish. They're, um, they're good. They're, they're fairly, they're fairly hefty and there's nothing really you can complain about with these cards. Typical kind of quality you expect. Um, there's quite a few plastic miniatures. Um, the base game comes with plastic, um, raiders and vipers that you'll be using. And then some of the expansions include additional things, um, in the base game. 
Um, there's a couple base stars, which are cardboard. And then in one of the expansions, you get plastic base stars to replace those with. And then in the base game, you also get some centurions. Like in the base game, you get a, a little cardboard token for centurions. Uh, and then one of the expansions, you get some plastic centurions, which replaces, replaces that. Uh, and then in a bunch of different cardboard chits. Um, there's a lot of little standees for um, everybody's character to represent each character. They have a little standee that will go around the board. And then, yeah, that's about it for components. There's a ton, especially if you get the expansions of character cards that you can choose from for this game. And so as I explain that, I'll, I'll, I'll talk about those a bit more. Yeah, that's about it for quality. Uh, gameplay, I'm not going to go... This is one of those games. It's, it just it took me an hour to try to, and it did. It took yeah. close to an hour to describe how to play this game. So I'm not going to go into great detail on this. Typically, how this game goes, everybody gets a character. Uh, there's different types of characters. There's support characters, leaders, uh, both political and military, and pilots. There's a rule that you uh, somebody has to choose from the the pool of characters that has the most in it, like the higher number of characters in it, so that. Try to balance things out so that you have at least at least one pilot, one political leader, one military leader, and then you can have also as many supporters you want as well. But everybody will get a character. That character will have a cardboard standee. If it's a pilot, they'll also have a little token, which will be used when they're out piloting a Viper. And essentially, what the game is is you go around um, go around the ship. There's the Battlestar Galactica, and there's also the Colonial One. Each ship has um, different locations you can go to with actions on those locations. In our game, we're also playing with the Pegasus, so that also is a had locations on it that you can go to as well. And during your turn, basically you're you're moving, you're taking an action. The action can be either from a space you're on, it can be from a card you have, or it could even be from a title you might have. There's three titles: there's the Admiral, the President, and the CAG. And the CAG is sort of the leader of the pilots. You do your action, um, and then you have to resolve a crisis. So you take the top card from the crisis deck, uh, read it. Um, quite often, it's a choice that the pl- player's turn will have to make. Like it, you pull the card, and you have to make a choice. Um, but there's also cards in there that are admiral only, or maybe even president only, so that you have to give the card over to those people, whoever has that title, and um, they all have to make the choice. Usually, there's going to be a skill check involved. And how that works is there's five different skills um, in the game. Um, there's engineering, uh, piloting, um, there's They're tactics. Right in front of you. Yeah, right in front of me. Uh, leadership and tactics. And there's also one called treachery, which uh, comes from an expansion as well. And what that does is everybody will have a hand of these cards. Uh, depending on your character, you only have access to certain skills. And when a skill test comes up, the skill test will have on it that you can only play certain types of skill cards towards the success of this test. And so what happens is everybody around the table will play cards face down so no one knows what you're playing. And there's also a Destiny deck, which is a a deck, um, a miscellaneous deck made up of two cards from every type of skill, including the Treachery one. And um, so you, there's a little bit of unknown, you know, the unknown. Like you don't know if somebody is a traitor or not when you get cards from that Destiny deck. So everybody plays cards into this skill, and then you flip them all over. And depending on the colors of the skills, you'll either add to the test or subtract from the test. And by the end, if the total is greater than the um, threshold for the skill, you passed it. 
and you can do whatever it says on a pass, or you failed it, and then usually something bad will happen during a fail failure. Uh, one thing I did mention is the loyalty. So at the beginning of the game, you'll have to make up a loyalty deck, and that's based on the number of players. And typically, it's going to have you know within a five-player game like we had. I think we had um, I think it was two traders potentially. We had two traders and nine loyal um, loyal cards. Uh, non trade you're not a Cylon cards. No, I shouldn't say traders. It's Cylons. So you had two. You are tra- uh, Cylon cards, and I think it was nine. Um, well, we ended up with eleven because we had two. Yeah, we had a couple characters. extra. Yeah, um, I can't Boomer. remember. It was supposed to be seven. Originally, no, it was it was nine five. and then plus two. So we uh, had normally they yeah, that's right because there was five of us. There should have been 11. ten cards, but then we had two more extra cards because of we had Gaius Balter and uh, Sharon Boomer. Yeah, that's right. They because of who they are, they get additional cards added to the decks, maybe to show that they potentially could be Cylons a little bit easier than others. So you take up this uh, loyalty deck, and like I said, there's only two Cylon cards in it. And you hand out one card to each player. Um, Gaius, because we had Gaius Balter, he got an extra card at the beginning of the game. So it sounds like there isn't a big chance of getting a Cylon. Well, halfway through the game, there'll be a, a second round, uh, the Sleeper Agent round, where everybody will get a new card. And because we had Sharon Boomer, at that point, she got two cards. And so, sent to jail. And sent to jail. Well, <laughs> that, that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I guess she does, yeah. Um so by the end of the game, there's definitely going to be at least one Cylon in your midst um, because the way it ro- rolled out that I think we had one leftover card at the end. So we didn't know. And you don't know what that card is until the very, very end. So you start out the game. You may or may not have a Cylon. So Cylons, when they're you know when you're doing skill checks, you don't know if, if it's the Destiny deck that's trying to screw you over or if it's somebody at the table because you know, we had quite a few rounds there where the Destiny deck was... Working in our favor. Really helpful. Really helpful. Yeah, very helpful. So <laughs> we didn't know, you know, it's hard to tell if we really had a sign on there. But that's essentially it. You're working on these crises, trying to um, pass or, or trying to pass them. And what will happen is um, the way you can lose this game, there's four different resources. There's, uh, well, not resources, but four different things you're keeping track of. There's fuel, food, morale, and population. And if any of those ever get to zero, you lose. Um Population and morale start fairly high. Food and fuel start a little lower. They start at eight. So, you know, it really hurts you when you start losing some fuel or fuel, uh, food or fuel. Uh, the other way you can lose this game is if Galacta ever takes, uh, six damage. And there's, so, um, each location can be damaged. So there's a total of eight, or no, six locations. No, there's a total of eight locations plus a couple extra locations that can't get damaged. One being sick bay, the other being bridge, the bridge. But if you ever take six damage to Galactica, and you know, then you lose. Uh, the other way you can lose, the third way, is if a Centurion gets on board and makes it to the end of the Centurion track, then you lose. So there's three main ways you can lose this game. And so what's happening is you're doing these crises. Um, everyone has to do a crisis. And after you do your test, there's usually something at the bottom of the card to indicate that um, you either have to do something with the Cylons, either launch more Cylons or Cylons attack or, or something will happen with the Cylons. And there's also a prep for um, for taking a jump. And so there's a jump track, and then when it, every time you prep it, when it finally gets to the end of its track, you automatically do a jump. And so at that point, the Admiral takes two destination cards, random destination cards, looks at them, and has to choose one of them. And usually something bad will happen. Like you'll lose some kind of resources when you do a jump. 
and then that um, card will have a distance on it. So I think the distance can range from one to three. I'm not sure if there's any higher than that. We didn't go through the whole deck, but um, so you, he chooses the destination, and that adds to it. And the objective is to get to your location. We were um, your destination, and our destination for the game we were playing was Cobalt. There's a few others you get with the expansions. New um, Caprica, I think, is one. Um, there's a, an Ionian Nebula is another destination you can play towards, or Earth is the final destination you can play towards. So how this works is usually it takes eight destination to get to your your um, the, whichever objective you're going towards. At the halfway point, when you hit four destination, is when the sleeper agent phase happens and everybody gets a new trader card. So there potentially could be. You know, if we haven't had a Cylon, you could get a second, uh, get your Cylon, or you could potentially get two Cylons, or, you know, a second Cylon if you already had a Cylon, and you just don't know it. So, and then once you hit eight destination of, of jumps, once you've done enough jumps to hit eight, you have to do one final jump after that to win the game. And that's, that's the game in a nutshell. Um, yeah, there's, um, you're, sometimes you're, you're not sure if someone's going to be a Cylon, so you're like, you get suspicious of everybody, and it goes quick. Yeah, almost immediately. <laughs> almost immediately, like, you're, because you're playing cards, and sometimes you might be playing a card to get rid of a card, um, but then all of a sudden, like you lose a, a skill, a check, and you're wondering, okay, well, who put that card in was there? Was it the Destiny deck, or was it someone purposely sabotaging? Us? Yeah, exactly. Was someone purposely sabotaging us? Because only two cards come out of that Destiny deck, and then sometimes you'll see more than two cards that could have screwed you over. Some, someone like intentionally trying to screw you over, or what? And so, it, 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 this game is a lot more tense than Shadows Over Camelot. That's for yeah. sure. And I, yeah, because I, I had, misplayed a card at one point. Oh, yeah. And, and I put a lot of suspicion on yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, you're a silent. This was after the sleeper agent phase, and it was a high chance because I was playing Boomer. She gets two yeah, cards. She gets two cards in the sleeper agent phase. Sleeper so agent phase. So there's a, there's a high chance that I was going to be a silent, but I wasn't. I just didn't read the card thoroughly, and I lost <laughs> us all our nukes when I played the card. Yeah. Well, and, and it was specifically the timing of it that. Yes. Yeah. Because we, we had, we had already discussed as, as the, um, you know, the turns were going around the table had already discussed that, um, you know, when it gets to my, my turn and I, I was, uh, I had the character William Adama and he controls the, the uh, nukes. Galactica's nukes. And we were, we, we had a, a, a specific segment of space that was becoming just flooded Full with, of, like, you know, base stars, yeah, base and stars and raiders. raiders. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the nukes are, are the best opportunity to damage every ship in that in that. If you can roll high segment, enough. Because yeah. you, you say, okay, I'm using a nuke. I'm targeting this space. You roll the die. And, you know, the, the lower results are, yeah, you damage a base star. If, you're, if you get higher results, you can destroy a base star. You can destroy everything in the square with and an And you eight. can destroy, if you roll an eight on that eight-sided die, you destroy everything, which yeah. was our best result. Well, and... and you know, you, you don't really talk about your skill cards with with your you yeah, know with the rest of the people else. at the yeah. table. Um, I, I I had one that that would have modified the roll by two, right? Like so, you know, I, I really only needed to roll a six to basically take them all. So we had discussed that that you know when it gets around to me, I'm using a nuke. Yeah, and uh, it it got to Jeff and Jeff playing uh, Sharon Valeri right before me, <laughs> like just before my turn where I'm going to nuke these, these base stars it is when he is when he played this card. Yeah. <laughs> and he played a card that let him fire off a nuke. And um, I, I just didn't get to the bottom of the card where it explained <laughs> that once you fire a nuke, you lose all other nukes. All other nukes. So I, get I was, nukes. <laughs> I was trapped in the brig because that it was just after our second loyalty yeah. phase, which, yeah. you know, in hindsight, 
horrible time to make a mistake like this. But <laughs> I, and I happen to have a mutiny card yeah. that let me launch a nuke. And I'm like, well, my turn's wasted if I just sit in the brig or try and escape the brig. So I might as well make this action. And then uh, I re- I put the card down like I'm playing this, and I read through it all. And it's like, oh, I, I thought I was giving us a second attempt to destroy this pile. But in reality, I just lost us all of our nukes. Yeah. And I killed a base star with it, but it was... There's still a base still star left and another bunch of... Yeah. Well, and we had discussed at the time, like, you know, as it turns out, uh, Boomer was not a, a Cylon. Yeah. But... It was it was exactly the right thing to do had Boomer been, been a Cylon, the Cylon. Yes. yeah. Because <laughs> you know, there's you know, from from the Cylon perspective, we can get more base stars. Yeah, you know, we're always going to get more. So it it's a it's an action that looks helpful. Took the rest of the nukes away. Yeah, you know, and and would still get another. You know, you'd get a base star later at and some say, point. Oh, I didn't read the card. Yeah, right. yeah. I, I missed that part. Sorry. But in, in reality, I was like, if oh, I crap. send a nuke, because without realizing, I lost us all our nukes. Yeah. I was like, if I if I send a nuke at them, yeah. and then do okay, but if I draw a crisis card that moves this huge group apart, yeah, then we're going to lose our opportunity. So I took the opportunity without. Reading comprehension fail, you know, it's just kind of a yeah. You, you have these moments in the game where you know you'll you'll jokingly say to someone, you know, they'll they'll say, "Oh, I'm going to play this card because it helps us in this way," and and you and you jokingly say, "That's exactly what a Cylon would, would do. say." Yeah. Do. <laughs> and and in this case, it was exactly the thing that the Cylon would have and should have done. And with at everyone that point. being yeah. suspicious already, yeah. it's like you could plead your case, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah there yeah, there was once sure. or twice where. You know, just based on on the the skill cards that were you know contributed to a skill check, you know, I I I think relatively early on. I think the only time is is maybe the first round, yeah, because there's really nothing else to do than than prepare for you know eventuality. So right. move to where where you're gonna you know need to shore up your cards, or move to where um, you know you can. Um, you know, my case being a dab, I moved to Pegasus so that I could ensure that the that the crisis cards allowed us to move up on the jump track. So, you know, that's probably the first, well, the only time during the game where there wasn't suspicion about something. But as soon as the skill check started to happen and cards got introduced and, you know, very early on, you know, because like you said, there's two cards come out of that Destiny deck. Yeah. And, but on that, on that one skill check, it boy, there's a lot of cards in here that that really kind of screwed us over, and <laughs> and immediately I thought that Randall had yeah. Was that, well, know, he happened to put a bunch in. He had put a bunch. It was an early one. Um, that I know Jeff hadn't put anything into this one particular skill check. I put three cards in, mm-hmm. and the, one of the like two of the cards were totally to help the the skill, um, the check, and then the third card didn't help the check, but it ha- it was worded in such a way that it would. Let the person who um, got it take a card away from the check. So what it was is like, I, th- I can't remember if it was a treachery card or if it was a different kind of card, but it said it was a zero point card, but it has a special ch- skill check text that said, take a card out of the skill check that is uh, cost three or, or lower. And the way it was, we got three blue cards, um, three engineering cards, and this was a non-engineering check, so blue cards are bad for it. Mm-hmm. Um, there were three blue cards in there, and this card did allow one of those blue cards to be taken back. But the fact that there were three blue cards in there were weird because the Destiny deck could at most put two in. 
Yeah. And so that means somebody else had to put a third blue yeah. card in. It didn't look bad for me because I put three cards into this deck. And I admitted, yeah, I put three cards yeah. into this check. I couldn't say exactly what I put in there, but I did put three cards in there. But it was yeah, a- and it wasn't conclusive by any means. Like yeah. I wasn't like, yeah. you know, I wasn't <laughs> so sure about Randall that I was going to airlock him. But, <laughs> but you know, you're, you instantly, you know, your, your eyebrows raised like, what? What's going on? But, okay, well, definitely. <laughs> I think you know, at that point it was that I figured out who the Cylon was because there was only three of us with blue cards. Yeah, there's only three people who it, he couldn't, blue cards. And Randall I could not have been the person yeah. that screwed us over. And I knew it was my wife. Like, <laughs> quite honestly, quite early in the game, yeah. I knew that she was a traitor. But I was like, hey, she's not doing enough damage to expose her. So Well, and, and I remember at one point, you, you, you had kind of mentioned during the game, it's, it's terror. Yeah, like I was game, like, I know who it is. You but know, at go, that wow. point, I, you know, I, there was no way I was going to believe you. After well, the you only way I wasn't like Luke's. sent through an airlock was because it got damaged. Yeah, yeah. The I, on the Pegasus. Damaged, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and then I spent. I'll be honest. I I spent the rest of that. You know, like I I started moving to places where I could get engineering cards because I was going to repair it and airlock Jack. <laughs> like I was yeah. that was going to happen as soon and it was actually my failed roll that damaged the damaged the, the airlock. airlock. Yep. Yeah. But after that if that was that was what was going to happen. Yeah. I, I was going to airlock Jeff. And what? I was doing the most to actually get us like I with the Boomer's ability yeah. to look at the, the top yeah, card of the, the crisis, crisis deck, deck and I could yeah. put it at the bottom or the top. It's like I was sloughing so many bad cards. Yeah. And then making whenever I saw one that had the FTL jump prep, I was putting it right back on top. Even after the suspicion was on me, it's like, yeah. okay, no, just keep doing it and hope they don't get the chance to yeah, airlock you. <laughs> that, that ability, it's, you know, yeah, there's, there's such a great, um, you know, pool of, of things that can be done and, you know, things that people can do to help. But there's always that, uh, that suspicion there because, yeah. you know, your your ability allows you to look at that and but am i sinking something good or am i sinking well, something bad there's like, yeah. no good crisis card right? right so you could be helping us you know like incredibly but so you 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 find oh this crisis card is really bad so you put it on the bottom of the deck well yeah. the next one's not great either yeah so did did Jeff actually help us out there or not? Yeah, I, I was hoping it's a really good ability. To yeah. Have. yeah, I, I was hoping that the amount of times that I put one back on top that ended up being an FTL prep, yeah, was enough of a hint. But you're yeah. not you're not wow. really noticing not really that sure. then, until full suspicion came yeah, on me, yeah. and then it's like, well, are you paying attention to the fact that I'm doing some good stuff here? <laughs> Did not yeah. airlock me. Because at that but, point, with that much suspicion, if I was, I should have just said, I'm a Cylon, right? And started actively. Yeah, you should have. That would have been the point to reveal yourself as a Cylon. Exactly. Because then what happens then is the person, if they reveal themselves, they go to the resurrection ship. And then they no longer interact with the main ship. But then they have, you know, Cylons have a number of things they can do. Mm-hmm. But we never ran into that argument. We did have a Cylon, um, your wife. But she never, I think it was. Lack of knowledge of the game. Lack of knowledge. She, she, no, not playing the game before. And she wasn't sitting next to where all the Salon stuff was. So she didn't get a really good look. And it's not something you can just, I want to look and see what these locations do, you know, without starting to pull some. Yeah. I was was talking to her after the game and she's like, well, I had a few questions in the beginning and I figured them out as we went, but it's like, I can't ask this question without revealing that I want to do something that's yeah. kind of bad. Yeah. I, I, I think maybe, yeah, and, and we were a little bit pressed for time because I had I had something to get to, but 
Um, but we did finish off. And at, at the beginning of the game, when, when you're given your loyalty cards, yeah. they, uh, you know, the rules state that you basically say there's, 30, there's seconds. 30 seconds. And even if you're not, and, and all it says is you're not a Cylon, yeah. you know, we've checked, whatever. Um, they say just keep looking at your card, keep reading your card for that full 30 seconds, you know, so that, yeah, if, if there's anything if more there. Cylon, they have enough yeah. time to read and digest their card. But I think in, in hindsight, what what we should have done was was also said, you know, okay, before anybody looks at their loyalty cards, look at cards, the board, or, yeah. read look everything. at each one of the spots, even yeah. if it's a base star, because if you are selling, you're gonna you're gonna need to kind of understand what options are available to you. Yeah, you know, as well as the you know the back. I think it's the back side of the um, of the character cards, is it not? That gives you additional information. Oh, does it? I don't know. No, no, no. no. Uh, we had some cheat sheets that I had printed out that gave additional info. That's uh, what it was. That yeah, might have been it. yeah. But um, you know, yeah, having that information, I, I think, yeah. would have really been helpful for her. Well, yeah. that and she was waiting for a specific moment because her "You Are a Cylon" card had us like when yeah, you, when you're a Cylon, there's you can play something. it. Yeah, there's a special advantage there that if you get it off, yeah. and hers was she could cause three damage to the Galactica. Yeah. If when she revealed herself, it already had two damage. Yeah. So, so that means that would have all of a sudden have five out of six damage that it can take. Yeah. yeah. And so she was kind of waiting for that moment, but we started damaging the Pegasus at the point where yeah. she realized, where she started to get comfortable. We all of a sudden started switching all of our damage to the Pegasus instead. Yeah. So it was kind of a, I need to somehow manufacture this, but it, the opportunity never came up again yeah. because yeah. we kept jumping so fast that Cylon base stars didn't really get an opportunity to yeah. come in and damage us again. Yeah, and you can easily see, especially uh, you know, in that scenario where you know when is the best time to reveal myself? Mm-hmm. You know, because there, there's lots that you can do. Um, you know, from you know being a, a Cylon to you know, screw up a lot of skill checks. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of failure and, and you, you could actually play that, that kind of, that kind of game where I don't reveal myself at all. I just make sure that these skill checks don't fail, you know, don't, don't pass all the time. And, you know, yeah, the loss of a food a silent, or a think, population. Yeah. You, you can just get totally annihilated by the crisis deck. Yeah. Yep, you don't even absolutely. need to have a yeah. Cylon really. So and then the, the other part that really failed for her was most of her crisis checks I think she had two the entire game where she didn't have to pass them to the president or, yeah, or the, the admiral. admiral. Oh, yeah. So all mm-hmm. the ones where she could look at it and go, okay, how am I going to screw this over? Huh. It was, oh, I have to pass it all of a sudden. Yeah. So no. she was getting the kind of butt end of the crisis cards when you're a Cylon because you want the bad ones that you yeah. can kind of yeah. manipulate or the ones where you choose where you can kind of make an argument for the worst choice but kind of painted as it's the better choice in this yeah. scenario kind of yeah. thing so so one thing i, I wondered and, and uh like i said because i had to i had to leave um we didn't really get a chance to to chat too much after the game but out of the five people that we were playing with two chose characters who could be silent were, were more likely more, than more others likely, yeah. to become silent so you had chosen boomer and uh, your son had chosen guys baltar yeah both of which at you know, guys, it's right at the beginning of the game, and Sharon at the halfway point. At the halfway point, um, you know. So, so in 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 your case, 
being boomer was i trying to be I, well like, was what what was your thinking in choosing boomer out of out of the the options that were available because like i said there, i there's I liked, a good pile of, of yeah of i really liked her abilities if she yeah, wasn't she a cylon like she got to at the end of her turn look at the next crisis card and sink it or keep it on top which end up helping us a lot like i'll be honest the mm-hmm. uh, the stuff that i buried was horrible it was those choices where it's like there's no good choice it probably would have lost us the game and then because i knew that my wife was the cylon she had her second ability was you can automatically succeed at a skill check for her miracle once per game yeah and it's like i saved it till that critical moment at the end where she finally got another skill check for her crisis and i'm like we're just automatically succeeding this it's like no we're <laughs> take it away from yeah life, just yeah. take it away <laughs> and so those those two abilities were just too good to pass up for the other things and i i didn't i didn't like with the brief glimpse i went through i i had a choice with the military leaders mm-hmm. or the pilots mm-hmm. and i, I just I liked the pilots better and she was the one that jumped out at me. So it wasn't an attempt to become the Cylon. It was just more of a, if it happened, I wouldn't frown upon it. It yep. kind of like, yeah, it, I could have fun either way. Mm-hmm. So. And did you talk to Marcus about his choice of guys, Balter? Uh, no, but I assume based off of just his, like <laughs> the way he plays games, he likes the idea of being the bad Potentially character. So I, I chance. it was yeah. probably chosen purposely for that. I'll I'll have to ask him, but it most likely was chosen for that reason. Yeah, he 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 kind of. Well, I I don't know what he's like um, around his his normal peers yeah. or or how he is with with you guys when when we're not there. Um, you know, as we're playing, I, I I you know I tend to crack a lot of jokes and that sort of thing. But he he's such a um, he always maintains this kind of serious kind of composure, <laughs> and and especially in a game like this. Man, it was really it's hard, hard to, to read, read him. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and whether or not he's, you know, you're always like, what is he thinking behind that serious look? Yeah, he does well but, in uh, games for keep having that, like, poker face almost, yeah. right? Yeah. Because by the end of the game, I knew from the beginning that only my wife was the Cylon. <laughs> when we got to the middle part, it, it all of a sudden became a question. Because who else could who be? Who else could yeah. be? And the only two that were kind of acting in a way that could possibly have been a Cylon in my opinion was Randall and my son and oh so that, you thought you thought that too okay, yes good. yeah <laughs> and I, it, I kind of I think it was before our next jump I had eliminated both of them as well I was like okay I think we only have the one Cylon so I kind of left it as that because there, there was too many actions that were directly helping us that they took that weren't like just over the top, mm-hmm. you know, definitely pushing us there. But it was like, yeah, that's the right move to make. It's not hurting us in any way, shape, or form and is actually going to benefit us, if not, like, immediately next turn kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I'd kind of, by that point, gone, yeah, we're we're, we're down to just the one, I think. Yeah, uh, Marcus was, was quite interesting because, you know, I, I think out of basically everybody at the table... I think I was the one that was most obviously not a Cylon. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I was throwing my skill cards at, at everybody's skill checks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was going to airlock you over losing those games. <laughs> um, but yeah. it, Marcus ended up getting a card that allowed him to to look at someone else's loyalty cards. Yeah. And out of all the people at the table, he chose me. <laughs> and 
And so, you know, then that became suspicious. <laughs> Was is he trying to cast suspicion on me by looking at my loyalty card? <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly the kind of thing a Cylon would do. Well, so. what he what he told me was uh, for that he wasn't sure at like at that point the kind of where people would be to mess things up the most kind of. So mm-hmm. it was yeah. it was like he was pretty sure Randall wasn't. He knew I wasn't because of some of the actions had taken. And he wasn't even considering his mother for some reason. So he's like, I'll, I'll just look at Drew to yeah. see yes or no kind of like yeah. def- definitive answer yeah. kind of thing. Where everyone else, it was kind of, I'm pretty sure they're not. Yeah. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, I loved that it was paranoia right from, right <laughs> yes. from the second turn. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This game does that well. Because... It, it, you're guaranteed to get a style on at some point. You know, you could start well or not, but you know there's going to be one in there. So it's yeah. like, okay, who is it? And how do we figure that out? And yeah. especially in the beginning where it has to be so subtle. Yeah. yeah. That, I mean, you're not going to be like first turn. I'm a Cylon. I'm yeah. going to go to the base I, star I and myself. start I'm out shooting of here. yourself, like, right? <laughs> it, it's like, I'm going to play one card that's maybe yeah. not helpful and hope that the Destiny deck doesn't come out and screw me because yeah. it's also two negative cards kind right. of thing. right. And it's obvious that the only person who could have played that one was me. So there's a little bit of subtlety that's going on in the beginning. And then you have to pick when you really want to go all in to make them fail. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like when it's really Like well, right it. when the resources are getting really low and it's a, a skill check that, okay, well, there's only, you know, because every, every jump uses some fuel. So you got to get to the point where, like we were getting to that point where one or two more jumps um, and we may have been out of fuel, we wouldn't be able to make the last jump if we if we needed to so we we came really close but we were able to get that last jump done and she was trying to hide that she was a cylon when she was the support character who got to look it was d yeah she got to look at all of the civilian ships when she activated them to move them around so she was like oh and here's the priority of ones that we should remove yeah, and there's no real like there's no fuel ones out here, so you don't have to worry about that. And we were getting low on fuel, and she was like telling us which ones we should destroy first if they happen if to they come have along. To get, if they get and destroyed, they yeah. would have been the fuel ships, which yeah. would have immediately yeah. exposed her. But it would have put us at such a critical yeah, point that absolutely. we probably would have failed. Yeah. So it was a subtle way of trying to get it. Just that we were so effective at jumping and then getting. Our yeah, sh- we didn't lose any um, civilian ships. No, which not was one. Amazing. When yeah, it came I, close, yeah. we got our ships out. In time to, to get the raiders help them. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think that uh, one of the things that I think they they captured so well with this game is uh, one those uh, you know the resources of fuel and food, yeah. and morale, and the population, um, as, as well as the the amount of like you know for, forgetting for a minute that there's even a trader mechanic in this. Um, the, the amount of pressure to get those jumps going because of, you know, the pile of silence that you are going to face. Yeah. Mess so you up. Yeah. I, I think it's actually maybe the second or third episode of, of the, you know, the Battlestar. Yeah. You know, I, I think it's where, you know, the, they have to reset the clock at, at you yeah, know, like every 30 minutes, like 30 minutes or something. They have like to that. jump every 30 minutes or yeah. whatever it is. Yeah. And, and you really feel that pressure in, in, mm-hmm. in this game. Um, you know, oh, you're, these Cylons on the the main game board are piling up, mm-hmm. and and the uh, the Cylon Raiders are just about to get to our civilian ships, 
and we just managed to like jump. Yeah. And we just and, jump. Yeah. And so you you clear the you know all the Cylons off the main board. And but you can see them on the Cylon board piling up, and and you you, you see know that their about... pursuit track coming. <laughs> and I think we and... got lucky at the end of that game oh, yeah. too, oh, because yeah. we yeah, had so a too. we had a Cylon on our ship who wasn't really advancing fast enough for us to a centurion. deal with. Yeah, yeah. Centurion. Yeah. And then we also had uh, an event that put two raiders on the board when the rest of the Cylon fleet was yeah. on their base star and yeah. weren't with us. Yeah. So whenever something came up that would have normally advanced the pursuit track so that they would jump back in and attack us, it moved two raiders. It moved the two raiders that were on our board already. Yeah. yeah. So Instead, sort of or, that or the centurion yeah. moved a little bit. And it yeah. was just kind of like, well, that just saved us from this whole pile, yeah. this whole yeah. mess coming at us again. Yeah. So just at the right time, we got some good event. Well, they were, should have been bad events, but they turned out to be good events. Which is good in our favor. Of, yeah. How it worked, you know, constantly presenting you with that that tension, though. Yes, mm-hmm. on top of who know, is the traitor? When, when you realize like how delicate it, you know, this whole thing is to get from you know, you know, to the the cobalt objective. I mean, yeah, I got to make eight. You know, we got to make X number of jumps. We got to get this. You know, this distance. We got the resources. See the first jump cost you three fuel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, presenting you with that that tension, and and you realize though that how delicate the whole operation is, and you know, so while while Terra May had some some trouble in trying to figure out like the best time to yeah. upset the apple cart, I think she did boy, enough that it was still yeah. Like if she had known right from the start, it, it would have been really tough, yeah. especially if we would have got a second Cylon at the oh, middle yeah. phase. It would have been really tough. And I think, um, yeah, she, I think part of her thing is because she couldn't see um, the Cylon fleet board. That was a bit of a detriment to her because um, there's locations on here, if you're a Cylon, that will advance, I think. Is it, is you, can, you can start hurting the FTL track. You, you can, can start hurting the FTL yeah, track. decline it. Um, I thought there was roll a die that resulted us. It was decreasing the jump track and, and increasing the pursuit track. Oh, maybe it's on another location. Was it um, the, the with the resurrection ship? Maybe with the resurrection ship, where you can advance centurions. I think. Yeah, there, I saw something where you could advance centurions. I thought that was the base star. I thought so too, but I didn't, maybe I'm not reading it. Um, What's the bottom left? Centurion. Yeah. Oh, it is there. Oh no, decrease track, increase okay. pursuit. Yeah, it, it must be on... Uh... Yeah, it must be on that. Oh, you know what? There's something here about activating... Activate all Cylon ships of one type or launch two raiders from... And one heavy raider from each base star. But activating all ships of one type, if you activate... Would that activate the Centurion? The, the he activates raiders? with the heavy raiders. Maybe. That might be the way to do it. Where you can really get that Centurion trying to get to the bottom of... I, I really thought it was the one where you can delay if you pick that action. That yeah. It's either going to increase the pursuit track or it's going to decrease the FTL readiness. And you can do two of those actions on that base star every turn. Uh, yeah, so two different actions. Two yeah. different... So it, it's... I thought if she had revealed herself close to the end and gone there, mm-hmm. it, it probably would have done us in even just because... You stop us from jumping, and as soon as you have something that cost us an extra fuel, we were done for. Yeah, yep. like yeah. it is that tight. 
Yeah, there was there was a couple others we we got a little bit lower morale. on morale, mm-hmm. but that was more um, of a detriment to her because her character got executed as soon yeah. as we got to two morale or something. Yeah, so we were close a... to killing her and revealing her, anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's um, um population. All, all these uh, population and food we did we yeah. did pretty good on it. Pretty good on those. I don't think we were hurting really at all. But morale and fuel were the ones. When I think it, at the end we we decided to you know even risk losing the population the for the last jump population on the last jump just jump. because we had we hadn't lost anybody I yeah. think uh, we had actually gained population a couple well no once. we gained it once, once. and yeah. we had an opportunity a second time yeah so we were doing great on population totally yeah yeah, yeah like each each character has you know like we were mentioning before as we've been talking a, a special ability a once a game ability but then there's also like a, a negative ability on every character and d which was hers is if yeah, morale is ever reduced to two or less. You are executed if you're, and if you're a human, you don't lose one morale. So normally, when somebody gets executed and they're human, everybody the, the we lose a morale. Um, so that's that was her special thing. Like every everyone has a little something. Um, I think mine was, uh, yeah. If you I was Leodama, and if you are forced to discard skill cards, you must discard randomly. Which can be really bad, especially when we were playing with these treachery cards, which is like a, a sixth skill thing, which are usually bad for you. Um, there are some of those, if you discard one of those, something bad will happen. So if you randomly discard one of those, like, ah, that's not good. Yeah, and my, Shannon's was, she got sent to the brig at the yeah, midway she, of the game. Because she gets second thing. two loyalty cards, so it's just a high possibility she's a Cylon. Yeah, which was funny because I just got sent to the brig because of the mutiny cards just before that. So I got sent to the brig with two mutiny cards. Then I was sent to the brig immediately after that because we hit the halfway point. And yeah. then you guys sent me to the brig twice more while I was in the while brig. You're in the brig by giving me mutiny, mutiny cards. cards. <laughs> give, give a give a human power. I was really in jail. Yeah, you're in jail a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you never left jail. Yeah, <laughs> um, played the whole game from the pokey. Yeah. yeah. And what was um, Adama's? You may not activate the Admiral's Quarters location. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Actually, and, and uh, yeah, speaking of those abilities, though, I think you 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 were the only one that used your miracle. Yeah. 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 yeah I didn't use my my miracle. Actually, is Lee Adama, like as the pilot, Lee. It's it, it can only be really good if you have a whole bunch of vipers out on the board, like unmanned vipers. Is like once per game you may activate yeah. up to six unmanned vipers. Well, and, and we jumped a lot. We jumped like, a lot, so yeah. we weren't having a lot. Of I, I think at most board. we had two out there. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the two starting ones, and then we never the relaunched. No, we launched a couple. Like I went into a fighter, and I we, went into you went into a fighter once or twice when it was important. Yeah, and then we jump and we were back yeah. in. So my miracle was that um, that once once during the game, rather than um, you know discard cards from a from a skill check, I just take the entire pile into my hand. Was it the entire pile? Yeah, it's everything. Wow, oh, wow. But um, and and I didn't really ask. But um, I, I wasn't sure if I still had to discard down to ten. Or well, you only discard at the end of your turn. Yeah. So, so yeah, if you yeah. would do it on someone else's turn. Yeah. Then you would have like if you'd done it on Randall's turn. Cause yeah. Just... I'd, I'd have everything to contribute for the round until it got back to me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but I don't know. It, they they were yeah, they were all seem skills all that, that could add an edge, but yeah. they weren't. Not all of them are like super super yeah. powerful yeah. or yeah. anything, but some are really good. And like I said, I used mine just to prevent someone who I was strongly believed was the Cylon from mm-hmm. being able to screw something up at a critical juncture in the game because it was the next turn that we made our final jump. And I knew, it's okay, this is going to prep us 
was pretty sure Marcus wasn't a Cylon. Yeah. And it was going to be pretty telling if he did something other than jump the ship. So it's yeah. like, we're just going to pass this skill check immediately. And then, so it was useful. It yeah. just, it wasn't a critical thing. We probably could have passed the test either way. Yeah. But it just kind of removed a little bit of doubt. And this is definitely one of those games you can play it multiple times and every play oh, different, different characters, different characters, different trader. And there's so many expansions that we weren't even playing with half of them. So like there's so much you could add into it. Well, and things like the political cards, which were never played. I, yeah. like Marcus was collecting them, trying to find one that was worthwhile. And when he finally did, it was the end of the game. Yeah. The, um, quorum, oh, yeah, the quorum, cards. quorum cards. Yeah. Yeah. So there, there was aspects that didn't come into play because it's like maybe those political cards, the quorum cards would have been more important had other things started happening. Yeah, true. That, or different characters out there. Yeah, we, if we had chosen different characters, yeah. there's so many to choose from. Like we didn't even have, um, the chief and he can, he's really good for repairing. Like his thing is during your turn, after you use a repair skill card, you may take another action. So you can repair something and do something else. Of course, he can only have eight cards in his hand. Yeah, yeah, hand him at eight. Yeah, instead of ten. That's true. Yeah, and once per game after cards have been added to a skill check, but before revealing them, you may choose a skill type, and all cards of that chosen type are considered strength zero. Wow. So he can. That's a once per game thing. But if you have a, if a, you're a <laughs> trader, it would be a good time to reveal using that on a critical check. Right? Yeah, it's, it's like, like, oh, all of the ones that are actually good for this one are now counting as zero. Zero. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think that's uh, all we really have to say about this game right now. So, uh, great game. I'll definitely, well, I'm sure we'll play it again. I own all the expansions. Oh, yeah. I have to get try to get it out a bit more often. Well, but... I think you can, you know, our listeners can probably tell by the <laughs> amount that we talked about this and the amount that we talked about Shadows Over Camelot. Yeah. Where we're coming, where, where we're swinging towards, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, if we're going to the results, yeah, it, yeah, definitely. Battlestar Galactica, yeah, it's just yeah. A, a richer game. Shadows of a Camelot's yeah. a great game, but it is it's a basic. It lacks intensity. It lacks intensity. Yes, um, and it's a it's a good intro. It, it really, it is a good intro to like a cooperative game that might have a, a mm-hmm. traitor in it. Um, other good cooperative games with traitors, you know, are like uh, Dead of Winter. You know, that's another. Yeah, um, I, I think probably in in hindsight that might have been a, a, a better matchup, a better matchup, just Maybe. because they, um, you know, Dead of Winter is a bit more has a bit more complexity to it, has a yeah. bit more depth. Yeah, um, I know quite often like, but these two games do get compared because like Shadows of Camelot is almost like the toned down version of Battlestar yeah. Galactica. Yeah, really. Well, and yeah. there's there's one negative about Shadows, which it is it's a game design feature, I'm yeah. sure, to balance it, but the fact that you have to sacrifice doing anything to move yeah just just being able to move just is move an action is an action yeah. and in Battlestar you got the you move, move and action. act which it makes it a little more every every turn is important it's not uh okay I'm gonna waste my turn this time because I can't afford the life to make a second yeah. action happen to make it happen kind of thing so well in Battlestar though like you, you move you're not moving to quests you're moving to locations and maybe you're using that locations action when you move right sometimes the move isn't even used you may not even need it yeah uh, whereas shadows is you're going to these quests and so you're moving to a quest and then I and think sh- maybe it's more to represent because this is supposed to take place in sort of medieval times right like during the the time of whenever King Arthur yeah, is supposed to happen fast not, yeah. nothing's fast you're like you're not okay I'm going to go out and fight the dragon it's going to take me a year to get there, but I'm going to go. <laughs> but when your first turn yeah. is, well, the first turn is move. 
Yeah. Uh, Move. And, and then, then you could goes, take a, and then you get to start working on the quest. Well, there's yeah. a one character that gets the special action. They get to move for move free and do it. from Camelot, yeah. Yeah. but not from anywhere else. Well, and we, I, I think we may have had a different opinion of the game if we'd actually had a traitor. Maybe. Um, I have a feeling that a traitor in that game would make it close to impossible. Yeah. Because it would be too easy to just keep doing the same thing at the beginning and making it look like it's no big deal, like putting out catapults. Right. And then yeah. once a quest, I, I could block off, say, something like the Black Knight to make it impossible for anyone to actually go there and fight it and let it fail and stuff. Yeah. It, there's a lot of ways to screw someone over in that game that would be subtle in the beginning. And then it, all of a sudden it would just be like, okay, you, you're doing it, but it's too late. Yeah. Because yeah. we're already, it's like you've buried how many cards on the dragon or Lancelot's armor quest that are like sevens or fives. And there's no <laughs> way we're going to be able to complete that one kind right. of thing. And it, uh, think about if they have the white cards that are to complete the Grail quest or the Lady of the Lake, those types of things that give you that little boost for the... Excalibur quest right. yep. that they can just slough. It's like, oh, I'm gonna, I need some health, so mm-hmm. I'll, I won't advance Excalibur. I'll take the health instead. Right. So I, I just <laughs> see, I see that as being, I, maybe I'm wrong without having Trader actually show up. But at the end of the game, if there was a Trader, could you see him as possibly having one? No, we would have spent all of our time trying to stop catapults from appearing to end the game before. Probably, yeah, and not concentrating on the quests quite as much. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, we were like hoping for a quest to fail so it would just fill up the table before right. the catapults because we were Killed having us. a hard time yeah. getting the cards to finish off a quest because we needed vibes. Yeah, we needed some vibes and we we're getting close to the end of that white deck and we have to reshuffle it and hope for fives and yeah. I mean, maybe that would have added the intensity to make it a little closer. Maybe. But yeah. yeah and as you said, it, it's still a great game. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it a lot. It just Battlestar added that little bit of level of. Well, yeah, it's a paranoia, right? A lot more paranoia. That paranoia. At no point during during Camelot was I was I wondering who here is a traitor. Well, yeah. I think it was. Yeah. It becomes pretty obvious pretty quick. Uh, yeah, because we're all. It, it's like we're all talking about what the best moves are. Maybe we shouldn't have. Maybe maybe we're doing a little bit too much table talk yeah. on that one. Maybe we should have kept it down a bit, and then like like, like with Battlestar, where they. You don't really do too much table talk in Battlestar yeah. as to what's the best course of actions. Because in yeah, Battlestar... You're, you're planning very far ahead. Because, yeah, it's, you know, it's all you're, turn you're, by turn. It's, yeah, you have to go reactive. Yeah, you have you're, to react you're to responding everything. to those crisis decks. Whereas this one, it's like, okay, well, there's that quest over there. We can work on that quest. And, and that's a bit more interaction that way. It's like, if we all go do the Grail quest right now, we can complete it. Yeah. And so three of us went to the Grail quest and yep. completed it. Completed it. Yeah, exactly. So there we go. Yeah, we are we have our winner. It's this year or this week. It's uh, Battlestar Galactica, and who knows? Maybe in the future we will try to compare Battlestar to Dead of Winter. I don't know, or Dead of Winter. Actually, Dead of Winter probably also compares well with other zombie games. So That's we'll true. probably get that one out with with something like Zombicide, maybe or yeah. or something like that. But there we go. So there we go. We have our winner. Uh, okay, so let's go on to our Imperial Assault segment. Yeah, regionals for us are coming right up. Uh, when this episode hits, it's going to be just a, probably a few days before our regionals, which are in uh, Calgary, Alberta. So that's going to be this Saturday, uh, February the uh, the 11th. Uh, so it's going to be uh, a long day for us. It takes us about three hours to drive down there. Uh, Jeff and myself will be going down. Drew's most likely not going, but you never know. By Saturday, he might decide, yeah, I'll go. We Maybe might I convince will. him by then. We might convince him. <laughs> 
Maybe. Maybe. I'm waiting it's, I'm waiting for your checks to clear. <laughs> it's good experience. Even if you're not expecting to win, it's it's still good practice. Oh, I, well, that's good because I, f- I would fully expect to win. <laughs> well, you got to go in thinking that you can win, whether whether you uh, are, are, are going to win or not. You have to have at least some positivity that you can do it. Knowing that you'll probably only take second because I'll be first. <laughs> oh, I see. Yes, because Jeff's going to be there. You know, you're not going to win. Yeah, win. this is this is exactly what I mean, though. Why why would I why would I want to waste my time if Jeff's just going to trounce me again uh, and a, again? It's a good crew in Calgary. You know, most I don't think I've ever run into anybody there that we've played against, like in the last regionals, or we went down for. I think it was was it their store championship? Yeah, or their store championship. We went down for their storm championship as well, and uh, it uh, yeah, it's usually the same lineup of people. Maybe a few different people each time we've been out that we haven't seen before. But uh, you know, it's a good crew down there, so um, you can usually uh, have some good matches at least, which is always interesting. I think the first time we went down there, I remember one girl was doing the. Well, was doing a Bantha list, but it wasn't the Bantha list. If she was doing, like, she had Rebels. She had it, like, with Saska? Yeah, she did she Rebels and she took a Bantha, a Bantha with Saska. Saska. It was an interesting list. Um, she didn't make it to the finals, but I don't think she, like, lost all her matches or anything like that. No, I, yeah. no, I don't believe she did. Yeah, so we you saw, you see a little of everything down there. Which well, is there nice. was a, even at the regionals last year down there, they had a couple people that just were, like, this is my second time playing. I yeah. just decided I'd come out and give it a shot kind of thing so yeah, for regionals so why not and you know, yeah it was mostly it was friendly it was mm-hmm. it was pretty good competition it was and we yeah you saw you see some of the we did see some of the bigger lists out there like there was one guy who was i think he was essentially running the four by four i think the the trooper list he had quite a few troopers i'm not sure if it was the actual four by four trooper list but uh he had at that time bespin had just hit last year so we had yeah. uh isb agents thrown in with that's right cross-trained troopers and stuff like that to get the spy list going yeah and he then did there was right. a rebel troopers list in the mm-hmm. top four was it top four yeah he made it to top four because you had to play him twice i think yeah yeah and i didn't make it to top four i can't remember what i was playing oh i was playing uh i was playing the bantha list i think it was yeah, the regionals, bantha I was with playing the droids the with the droids and it's due to my inexperience with it and because i hadn't had enough practice with it before going in i i didn't do the greatest but i still had fun so it wasn't too bad yeah, um, there's a few experimental lists last time like last regionals with uh under duress had just come out so i'd faced yeah i uh, was probably my most difficult match because not experienced against it the trend oceans with under duress where you're forced to take the wounds yeah unless you're sloughing cards you don't want to see son of skywalker disappear when you're playing rebels so you're more likely to take a wound or two than to yeah you really want to hold on to your command cards because yeah. they do uh they make a big difference yeah yeah so that that was last regionals and that wasn't all that well i guess it wasn't long ago but it wasn't a year ago either it was uh june, june. or july or june i think june yeah and so the next regionals um are coming up a bit sooner, so it's obviously it's in February this year. And this um, time we have Jabba's Realm, which yeah. just came out, which changes things yeah. drastically. So we're expecting to see a lot more mercenaries down there, we think. Um, I've been playing around with the Imperials and the Jump Troopers and the Dewbacks, so I'll probably be doing some combination of that. So that's what I've been practicing with more. You've been playing around a lot with uh, the new Luke. Yeah, I've been... Uh, like our previous podcast, like I said, is I, I wanted to get him on the table and see if he's worth his point cost and his build, and he's not quite there he's powerful I'll, I'll, mm-hmm. like he is powerful but he takes up so many points of your list <laughs> the rebels just don't have those low-cost filler troops to yeah. throw in to 
back him up and in today's game well we we ran a tournament a week ago at our local store yeah and i think just out of the sheer surprise of the list i had thrown together with the three jedi with luke obi-wan davith and then i threw in mhd yeah the yeah. medical droid and gideon and 3po of course and then an alliance smuggler and they just wiped the floor with everybody but it mm -hmm. was because you just couldn't kill anything if one of the bigger jedi got hurt they just moved back and mhd recovered mhd them. recovered them yeah and i was running for that little tournament i just ran uh, was it uh weak ways? no yeah it was a weak way jabba list i had like two elite weak ways i had uh shyla with uh vinto and greedo yeah that was my uh my first um mercenary list i was trying with that stuff i did all right i, I still i think i came in second still there's only Unfortunately, we had a small turnout. There's only four of us out there for that little tournament. But, um, but you know, still, it was enjoyable. It was a good afternoon. Luke, I find there, there's two different types of lists that I create. And one is for casual play and one is for tournament play. And tournament play is all about getting victory points and kind of demolishing your opponent as quick as possible. Because you need those points. You only have an hour. Yeah. It's not a long-term thinking game. It's a get in, get your points, and limit what they can do in return. So taking that list, it shocked people because I didn't like Luke running up eight spaces and then killing somebody <laughs> is pretty deadly. And then if you have yeah. take initiative, he can then kill one more guy and then retreat to safety. Mm hmm. Or take if you don't have course, take initiative, someone shoots at Luke and he, he's going to take it take from a moves. squad, right? And then he can run away to safety after still attacking somebody. So it was, it was and effective. And deflecting into somebody. Yeah. As long as someone's in range. Yeah, if you remember to use it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, yeah. True. But it's a, a built-in deflect, whereas instead of having to play that... Uh, but the, the people that card. synergize with him don't do great in tournament play. for like Because you, right. need, you need those people who can go up and hold objectives or mm -hmm. take objectives and run them across the map in the case of the new map that they released. And there's just not enough points to fill out a list, in my opinion, to make it super effective. If, if you look at what they gave to... The mercenaries, you can fill in a lot of mid-cost heroes with decent health. Right. Well, even low-cost heroes like Greedo, who has really good health. He's got yeah. some downsides for it, <laughs> but they're manageable downsides. Right, totally. So there's there's a lot of stuff you can do with that. And then, I, in my opinion, I think now the Empire is actually the strongest faction, having looked at everything thoroughly over the last few weeks since it mm -hmm. came out. I think the Elite Jet Troopers are the best unit in the game currently. Yeah. Because if you give them Vader's Finest, like you've been practicing with the last couple of weeks, mm -hmm. they are extremely mobile mm -hmm. and can hit hard. Like then, They can be rolling four dice consistently against a unit, and that is killing most troopers, and it's laying out a lot of damage. Yeah, to, that self-focus is a you know huge thing too, yeah. first round, self-focus. And it's not even just the self-focus, it's that two movement after you attack mm -hmm. with Vader's Finest added in with their innate Flyby. two movement that if they get if they're spaces. within two spaces. Yeah. So with proper setup, they can hit something extremely hard and then be safe. Yeah, and then take off. Yeah, Give and then if you if you cover. pursue them, then you have another set of jet troopers waiting mm -hmm. to hit you again. So they're just in today's tournament play. They are effective because they're mobile, so they can bypass difficult terrain, the blocker terrain, and get objectives. And you combine that with the fact that they hit so hard <laughs> when they are focused and get within those two squares that they're excellent at both if you're playing the objective side of things they can do the objectives if you're playing the kill everything side of things yep. they're fairly effective at that as well yeah and you throw in support like the dewbacks and you've got a really solid list you don't need the 
elite stormtroopers anymore. They just they're obsolete. Almost, yeah. Especially with the new scoring rules nowadays, too. Yep. You're just with those elite, the old elite stormtroopers and reinforcements. You're just well, you're bringing in potential well more points for the other. Uh, team to score uh, now that they've changed how that works well, um, and then I, I was also experimenting just with like command cards for them mm-hmm. there's a lot of vehicle command cards that, that work with are, them are work and uh, particularly overrun i was going through a scenario last night where overrun if you're not familiar with the card allows you to do two damage to anyone that you move through once per round right so you play the command card they can move eight and still attack so they do their four and eight movement to get within or four movement sorry with their action to get within two of somebody with vader's finest they get two movement and then two movement for shooting within two so they can roll four dice to hit somebody and then move eight squares essentially over their turn right now you're not going to hit eight people with overrun in that time but say you hit three or four Mm -hmm. that's a lot of unmitigated damage that's eight unmitigated damage plus a shot yeah that like that's just a huge combination that just destroys anybody's list right off the start so i honestly think that people aren't there seems to be a lot of hate towards the imperial side now with the changes in the scoring rules yeah people are are, i really i don't know what it is but it just it changes the style of play is all and there's still some really good trooper lists out there oh definitely and they've added like call the vanguard which works with jet troopers and the backs yeah, they call the vanguards nice. Grenadier um, now works with dewbacks, jet troopers. Mm-hmm. Like there's Almost just everybody. A, there's a lot of synergy there with yeah. what you can build with the Empire side. Yeah. Um, now you've been uh, you said you were working on a couple of lists that you think are going to be like the uh, ones that will probably dominate. If probably people... dominate if people start going this way. So what did you uh, come up with? Well, for the Empire, it's uh, two elite jet troopers with Vader's finest attached to both of them. Captain Taro a Dubak, an Imperial officer, and an elite heavy trooper squad. Okay. So originally I was toying around with putting in like Soren and advanced comms or something. Yeah. But I don't like putting more than five, six points in support Mm. for tournament play. It just, you want to hit and you want to get your objectives. You don't want a lot of time kind of milling about and stuff. Right. It can be nice to have those activations to kind of force your opponent to do other things. But in today's game with passing, having more activations just forces you to do more of your support in the beginning instead of setting up so it doesn't really matter right so that was my imperial stuff and of course there's grenadier overrun call of vanguard in that list because yeah. there's so many things in that list that can use those mm-hmm. oh absolutely there's a lot of a uh, lot of uh synergy there ferocity ferocity where you can get maybe an activation out of your do back or if, or if someone has, has a rancor yeah. or something it, you would use it on the rancor yeah it, like especially if it's in a spot that it can hit something that's you know kind of wounded already or right. valuable that they're trying to hide from you with it yeah i'm really curious to see how many if there's any rancors out there uh next weekend well a rancor won the regionals in uh victoria was it australia victoria? okay yeah so a rancor list won that against okay. the jedi luke list so we might see some yeah i, I don't think the rancor is quite good enough but if you know how to use it it can be it can be dangerous that might have been a, also a little bit of um it was like early on like it i think that was a fairly early yeah regional, just after just after it came out so it might have taken some people by surprise and not really knowing how to well it. and and i watched the that game that final match and oh, okay it was the rebel player kind of split into his forces oh at first and then the merc side just kind of just ran through them it was just kind of a okay by the time the rebel player reconsolidated everything to come after the rancor i think it was like obi-wan was dead and 
Luke was pretty mauled and stuff like that. So mm, okay, well that's good to uh, to know then. And, and was that that fight was that before or after the point change? I believe they had the point change already because okay. the point change came out with Jabba's realm pretty much. Well, it was no, like a it, week or two after. Yeah, because the point change came out a couple. Almost a couple of weeks. It was the 16th. I think that's what it was. January 16th is when they reprinted the tournament rules. Yeah, and I don't think they were supposed to take effect till the end of January even. Oh, okay. So that Victoria one must have just been within the last week or so then. Because there was a couple regionals just recent, I think. There was that the Victoria one, and then there was also one in the States somewhere, I think. can't remember now where it was. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know who would have won that one. I didn't pay attention. Yeah, okay. And then my, my second thing I put together was a mercenary list that I don't feel is quite as strong. But it has it, it has a higher kill potential. Like the the list is from further range can put something down in one shot, and then it has your closer range support units as well. So it's got Jabba, of course, because yeah. most lists nowadays are going to need him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shyla, two elite Weequay pirate, and then temporary alliance to put Obi Wan and C-3PO in. Oh, interesting. Okay. And then Black Market and Devious Schemes. Now, I'm not... This is more of an experimental. Yeah. I'm not completely sold on it because, again, it has a few... Too little hit points in this. Mm. Like, the Equays can die really quick if you make even one positional mistake with them. Right. But they can hit pretty hard from a good distance. So, they're a decent unit to have. I'm just not sure that two of them... You could probably replace one with something that's a little beefier, maybe... Gamorians, elite mm-hmm. Gamorians. If you mm-hmm. take out Devious Scheme or Black Market, if you do that, though, then you're really going melee, melee with it because you have Shia, yeah. Obi Wan. Yeah, and that, that's a bit of a danger. Yeah, the only range you'd have would be one set of uh, equates. And in tournament play, that's limiting because, yeah. especially with the maps where they currently are, the Dianoga one in particular. Mm-hmm. You'll have a hard time getting points with just one ranged person unless you're really exposing yourself in the middle. Yeah, running wounds. in to take wounds, yeah. Because the Gamorians, while they roll two red dice, have no surges except for cleave. Yeah, they have reach, which can get them close to that Dianoga, but then, again, they're totally exposed. They're not, well, they're, they're average, the elite ones are average speed. I think they're four, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. But then what's great about this list is the command cards that just, I mean, you have Assassinate, which is plus three wounds, tools for the job heightened reflexes all these cards that they brought out for hunters and smugglers that just they can kill any 10 point model outright with a good roll yeah and that's the only thing too is remembering even if you had equays or not equays uh, gamorians or even with obi-wan remembering that those cards don't work don't work with them because they're not hunters which is why i put two elite equays because you want that synergy with command cards yeah you don't ever want something like assassinate which is a three-point card to come up and be like i have nobody no hunters left (laughs) yeah exactly or you have like the perfect time where you can use it but the only person you have is like the gamorians out there and it's not useful with them and why I bothered putting in 3PO in this list is so that take initiative can still be included without giving up something, giving good. Up something important. Because yeah. what the what I've noticed with most of the mercenary lists out there right now with Jabba is you don't have someone to take initiative. Like you don't want Jabba to take it to use his activation for take initiative necessarily. Yeah, he, well, you really want him for like well, it's doing another, an assassinate or not yeah, assassinate. It's but another a, shot or yeah. another command card if you mm-hmm. need to get something out of your or a focus. Hand. Yeah. Or focus, exactly. Yeah. So, and then I put in a command card I'm not sure of in that one. It's on the lamb. Yeah, the people have been talking about that one. That's is that the one where um, if you take damage or somebody... No, if someone shoots at a smuggler, okay, they, before modifiers are put into play, That's right. get a full move. So you get to see the dice, 
even the re-rolled dice, mm-hmm. and then decide whether or not you want to play the card. And then because you get a full move, you can put yourself out of range of the attack. Yeah. Particularly if it's like a melee person. So say Shiloh whips you into range and then does an attack and it looks like it's going to kill you. It's like, you yeah, know, I'll use on the lamb and waste Shiloh's attack for this round. Yeah, because... And be out of range. And you don't even have to step far with her, whereas a ranged unit, I mean, you can duck yourself around a corner. Yeah, try to get out of the line of fire. And it's not really hugely important to, like, save, say, an Equay pirate or something. Mm -hmm. It can be, but it's not essential because they're your kind of workhorse guys. But you can use it on them to make someone waste an activation. Mm -hmm. So if Luke comes in and you know he's going to, you know hit you twice or something he uses his activation to attack you you see the dice you can stay if it's not going to do much damage or you can get out of there and make him waste his entire activation right because he's a melee unit and that that really hurts them because they're all sent out of position so i think it will be useful card three points is kind of a lot to put into it but yeah well it's it's hard it's always hard to say that those two point cards is there's not a lot of them but you know quite often most of this will have one or two that they can take that are relevant and can help um but yeah it's always knowing when like where do you give up that three point card like with the imperialist you have grenadier and um was there another one no that's the only three point was that the only one in that one okay the rest are mostly two pointers oh you know what the other one i'm thinking of is that's a three pointer that works with them is covering fire yeah the one that allows you to stun to be able to stun for that round and if they hit something that's already stunned gives them additional two damage and i could put that in there because i'm not sold on cavalry charge for captain tarot yeah so i could probably drop cavalry charge and fuel upgrade to put in that there's some wiggle room there yeah those ones what does fuel upgrade do i can't remember that one uh it it gives you a surge defense and oh what was the other thing all your vehicles gain surge defense and plus one something oh where is it okay plus one speed there you go oh Okay, that's when it gets so fuel upgrade is a start of round card mm-hmm. where you play it and all of your vehicles at round gain plus one speed and apply plus one surge defense. Both pretty good. That's now, actually pretty decent. Yeah. The strength of the elite jet troopers is they can change a block into a surge defense if need be, mm-hmm. which is great because there's a lot of surge for plus two damage, so it's actually better to block the surge. Yeah. So with this, they don't need to do that, or they still can if there's been two surges rolled. Yeah, like they get another surge, they can still do it. Damage mitigation, but if you get this with overrun at the same time, yeah, that's just I never even thought of that card, so I I should throw that into my list. But again, this is I I haven't played with this. Yeah, I know the list is strong. Mm -hmm. The command cards, of course, are the thing that there's always that. Is it going to be effective? Right. And especially there's if you can get something like overrun early where units tend to be a little more grouped up yeah compared to last round late in, where late in the game and it's yeah everyone's split up and you're maybe going to get one person with it if you play it yeah right so the the trick is to try and find the command cards that it doesn't matter which ones you pull you know you're going to be able to use them at any point yeah. and that's why the synergy is important with stuff and having four jet troopers is you're probably going to be able to use the fuel upgrade but like I said, it might be better because all of the guys are troopers in this list to have the covering fire, was it, with the stun? Yeah, 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 covering fire. Yeah, and it's also one of those ones where it's, it can really benefit if you um, if you don't have initiative on one round and you're last to go and you can sort of run them up there and you're going to get initiative the next round so that they're close enough that they can jump in and then jump in jump and do wave. a bunch of stuff yeah. and hit a bunch of people. Yeah. Well, even they only have to be within six squares, which is, I mean, most things, if you're, once you're kind of in that second round, 
mm-hmm. you got you're probably within six squares of something. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because as soon as you get within those two squares to shoot is when everything fires off for them. Mm-hmm. The extra blue die, if they're focused, that's four dice. And I, I'd be interested to see how Overrun works with them because that just seems so powerful. And I've been, I, I, it's in my list, but I haven't been in a situation where I thought it would be, that would I could get it off yet. Um, and I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm not positioning right yet. I'll have to play around with it some more. Well, in the case of Overrun, if you can hit five guys... Mm-hmm. It is probably worth putting a jet trooper in harm's way oh, like yeah. after the fact. Yeah, I mean he's four points, and if you can do ten points of unmitigated damage with a four point model plus a shot, plus a shot, yeah, that that's an amazing performance mm-hmm. for that unit. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. Let's so see. when it, when it comes down to the point game where it's like points denial and. Mm objective based i think these lists will do well yeah i don't particularly think these lists would be fun to play against necessarily in casual play which is why i say there's a difference with how i do things yeah tournament play and casual play because in casual play i'd rather you know see some interesting models out there and seeing jet troopers all the time would just oh yeah get boring you want to try new things out yeah casual play and it's like i want to try themed lists with gamorians and all the Jedi, even Diala, even though she's you know old and not quite balanced like everything else is. Yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, and of course, with a casual game, you have time. You're not. Yeah, you don't have that time. Limited to the one hour. Uh, I have to have more points than this person after so long, and I might only get two turns depending on how quickly the other player is playing. So it's like after two turns, am I going to have enough points to feel comfortable? And I don't think the Rebel Luke list can really do that. It just mm. it doesn't have enough ranged power. With the best ranged unit they have, doesn't hit hard enough for the rangers because they cost too much for what they do. Mm-hmm. And sabs need to be close, like they're a close range unit. So all those objectives where you have to get in there and like the Dianoga, yep. for instance, yep. where there's 25 points on the line there for whoever kills that thing last. An extra five points. Yeah, yeah the extra you five points. Wounds plus you do the it. Wounds. Yeah. So if you have to get in close and you're on the wrong side of the map, that Dianoga is essentially 25 points for your opponent. Yeah. Because your Jedi are just kind of trapped. They can't enter the room without sacrificing themselves. But mm-hmm. I won't say they're not strong units. They're just, they're not right now the best for play and one of my favorite units is davith and everything's getting evades like yeah he's it, getting harder to he's get getting his surges off yeah it, it, take him against a elite jet trooper mm-hmm. davith's strength isn't the fact that he gets pierce three kind of stuff it's the fact that he can do fell swoop mm-hmm. and if you get a, the ability to just negate a surge just i roll the block and if i negate your surge you're not getting your second attack yeah that make that neuters davith like, yeah He's still got great health for six points, and he's still good against other things, like other troopers that no one seems to be bringing anymore. But, (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah, he just he can't, without getting off Fell Swoop all the time, he's just not as effective as an offensive unit. Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what we see out there on on Saturday, definitely. So that's what you could be missing, Drew. You could be out there and and seeing some of these great lists and (laughs) even taking one and trying it out. I just listen to this podcast and hear all about them. There you go, yeah. (laughs) And, um, yeah, so after that, uh, I'm hoping to do something a little bit different for the next podcast after this one because when we go down for the regionals, I'm hoping that when we drive back, we'll just be able to record on the way. So it'll be Jeff and I, and maybe or maybe not Drew. Um, there's another friend of ours, James, who uh, might be going down too. So let's get a conversation and record it going in the, the vehicle back and, and talking about the regionals and how we did and what we came up against and our matches and that kind of thing. So yeah, the next Imperial Assault segment might be a full episode. I don't know. We might just 
make the next episode just the regionals and, and talk about that and see how long it goes. And uh, yeah, we'll see about that. Fantasy Flights also released the next map in their neoprene format, which is the uh, which was Obi Wan's um, Anchorhead Cantina. It no longer called the bar. No longer it's, it's no longer a bar. It's a cantina. <laughs> Let's be clear. <laughs> Too many connotations for Disney with bars. I guess compared to cantinas or something. Yeah, uh, yeah maybe. Um, yeah, I don't know about that, but um, it, like usual, it looks like a nice nice uh, product. It, like the other ones do um, has like the standard has Obi-Wan on one side and Garrido on the other I guess two famous uh, Tatooine residents so uh, it's kind of odd like they they announced the next map and then I don't know it's like two weeks later they put on their website okay and here's going to be the the product you can buy for that map and then I don't know how long it's going to take before we actually see it in stores it, it is going to be the it is the newest map so it's going to be around the longest out of all the maps it's just I just always find it odd when they do that like if they're going to be releasing a new map they should have it ready to they ship. should have this ready to go yeah, yeah like okay this is gonna be our next map let's get it in production like is there a question of whether or not they're going to produce it i don't think so like so once they decide on a map produce it <laughs> get it out there have it in the have it in the stores so people can pick it up and, and use it for tournaments like this I've, i picked up the other two maps that are out so, so i'll have them for the regionals it just makes it so much easier to set up you know now that they have this option out there i can well show, con- considering yeah. the the setup come you know like your, your 65 minutes include setup, setup. Include that so yeah. yeah you can just roll out the map and put the doors up yeah. and the objectives on and start it's, and go it just takes a little extra stress out you know i don't have to worry about it it's just my map's well, out i'm ready to go i can concentrate on the match and and compared to the the vinyl maps they do do a better quality the fact that they just lay out flat yeah and it, there's no like, curving and and they don't move yeah like because the rubber backing just now all that said i can't stand the smell yeah, yeah i don't know if it'll go smelly. away yeah. with time but they they do god i hope smell. not the best part of them <laughs> <laughs> well there's differing opinions fight <laughs> no. but yeah they're great quality yeah. yeah and i think you know i haven't even tried it yet if i was to take my maps out of their cases and lay Can them out and, and let leave them air out it'd probably really reduce that because i've got some um card mats like from various card games that i've played and yeah i think they may not be as thick a neoprene as, as these are because these are pretty these are a good thickness. yeah they're nice thickness they're nice thickness but you know th- that smell I think does eventually go away so it, just time just be careful when you put them out cats love that oh yeah interior. no if I was the one to put it out I would not put it anywhere that might and, and that's hard that's saying something they're trying to find somewhere my cats can't get to <laughs> just be all clawed up before you realize what's going on yeah oh this is nice I can put my claws right into it and knead it and yeah yeah, and they're they're not. I mean, they're they're not horribly expensive, but they're not cheap enough that you yeah you, you can afford to just keep replacing them. No, absolutely not. Yeah, then they do. Yeah, they're a little, little bit on the pricier side. If I if it was a, if I wasn't already so invested in the game, you know, like that I had I have every single thing that's come out for it so far, I probably wouldn't be as keen on picking them up, and especially if I wasn't into the tournament scene if i wasn't in the tournament scene i wouldn't even look yeah at i wouldn't look at me either yeah but since we do the tournaments we do the regionals it's just nice to have I, uh, in between sets i don't mind picking up a map and as they come out it's just one map every few months or so 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 it's a point of curiosity so your, your tournament's at the century box in, That's right. in calgary alberta um i, I noticed they have they have the uh an, an old version of the swiss tournament rules linked to the event oh because they they did they did it before yeah, yeah. the rule change came out yeah yeah, but I was just checking on their on their Facebook. They haven't haven't released any any additional information, so they still have posted the the version one point one rules instead of the version oh, okay. two oh one or something now. Officially, yeah. they have to for regional events use the use the most current use the most current. Yeah. So that's not an issue. I, yeah, you just have to mention it if they because well, I remember the last regionals, and that's the problem with 
skirmish is it's still fairly young as games go right competitively and they're the people running it didn't really know all the rules so i i did have to pull out my rule book a couple times and Mm -hmm. show them like look this is really how things go like they didn't know that you couldn't do beneficial effects except for recover when it came to surges if you didn't damage your attack target so they were trying to focus up and hide and things like that when they were attacking and not doing damage so i had to pull it out for that and then interacting with doors which is something that people don't think of but you have to be directly in front of a door to interact with it that's right one of the two squares right in front of the door yeah and before i showed them that rule they were interacting on the diagonal which is a huge advantage oh yeah with some of the older maps now they have most of the doors in recessed areas so it's not quite as easy to do easy to do but and then even like we've been playing for over a year now yeah and i just discovered this month going through the models rules because of the dobacks that when you push a large model they can't turn right they have to be straight when you do give them like two movement points like through the imperial officer it has to be a straight to move they can't like one and then churn or anything like that yeah. yeah and i mean i was looking up something entirely different at the time and it's like whoa really well it'll be interesting because uh, you know like the the uh, the scoring change um mm-hmm. is, is still relatively new so hopefully there's not a lot of people heading to this thing that who, are who are unaware of that. unaware of it yeah because it is yeah. an important change yeah. And, and, and especially if they've been presented with the version 1.1 rules. Well, you'll know right away when the first Stormtrooper list you come across that hasn't changed their list. And they have, like, all yeah. all their Stormtrooper squads have one guy sitting in their deployment zone, not moving, keeping separate <laughs> from the rest of them. And it's like, I don't know if I'll be nice enough to point it out when it's regionals, but well, <laughs> after the game, maybe. <laughs> printed out. I'll definitely have the new tournament rules printed out just in case. Yeah, just have them on. Yeah, because that's a, that's a big change and if people aren't aware of it that could really affect them actually it could you know really make them start questioning themselves and make mistakes yeah, <laughs> yeah I, not that I, I want them to make mistakes i want the pdf <laughs> yeah. like available so that i don't have to be looking for it when people are like well i don't know this it's like well you, you have to know this stuff for yeah. things like regionals yeah. it's a it's a higher tier tournament it's not a local store where your organizer can kind of you know mess with it and mm-hmm. play how the locals want to play regionals right. is supposed to be a higher tier tournament that yeah. follows all the regulations that kind of well it's not there. premier yeah, tier it, it, it's no it's, it's it is the, sort of the in between yeah. yeah well you you need to because that that first place is uh has actual you know, benefits well mm-hmm. and, and it has an impact on on uh um, nationals nationals yeah right so yeah yeah i don't know if we're going to have a nationals in canada i don't i never seen it yeah, we listed. didn't last year they just our regionals was a buy straight to world yeah straight to worlds was there was nationals a thing last year i don't remember like no I, there was in the states there, there was, was a few nationals in the states okay but not in canada okay or maybe there's one in the states sorry i don't know yeah i wouldn't think place. there'd be a few <laughs> yeah first first yeah. place in the tournament you're going to um, first place wins a first round buy to the 2017 national. Yeah, so they're talking about a buy so, to the nationals, but yeah, that, you, that you, means you have to go to the states national. I yeah, guess. and theirs is yeah. in like Carolina or something like that, or Virginia. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember seeing it listed somewhere under yeah, the. I don't uh, remember the location, but yeah, in May. But yeah, I mean, when you're when you're talking about you know. There, there's your first round buy for a national tournament. You really need to stick to the rules. Yeah, because yeah, if you're going that, to be going, well, well, <laughs> yeah. even if you're not, that's a, that's a yeah. powerful yeah. tool to have for a major competition. That first round buy that counts as a like a super tiebreaker kind of thing, where if you're tied with someone who's the same as you, your buy is actually worth more than their regular win. Mm-hmm. So it it has actual consequences on like the other tournaments where you're playing for I don't know a special card. 
like right. art card or something. And those are always nice. nice they're nice, but it's yeah. not. There's no further consequences other than that person won that card. Right. Yeah. It looks like the nationals are going to be October, or the the U.S. nationals are going to be in August 31st through September 3rd um, at the U.S. the Nova Open. Not too familiar with what the Nova Open is. There it is. Oh, there it is. The Nova Open. The Nova Open Tabletop Wargaming Convention, uh, August 31st to September 3rd. Because the Worlds were in Minneapolis, right? Yeah, last year. Yeah. Uh, Virginia. Arlington, yes, Virginia. Virginia. Uh, which is quite a ways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For yeah. a Nationals that isn't even, like, we're Canadian. We should have our own Nationals. We should have our own Nationals. Not have yeah. to go to the American Nationals. So I don't know if somebody's um, lobbying to get a Nationals here or not. I can't remember. I remember when we were at the Century Box last year. They, were talking, was, they about, were talking about something. Yeah, like... the. It was Vancouver or Toronto or something yeah. had held nationals at some point, maybe the year before. Maybe, yeah. And they were trying to get it because they their, get it. their yeah. turnout wasn't great at the the other one. But then I didn't hear of a nationals last year at all for Canada. And no. our regional win, like I got a buy to Worlds. Right to Worlds last year. Maybe it was when, because of when it happened, it was so close to Worlds. That's why they just did a buy right to Worlds. Maybe. That's all I can think of. But the cards, like the buy card still said it was for a national buy, but they oh, told it me it was for Worlds. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll see when we're, uh, when we're there next week. Um, if they, if they've been talking about nationals at all, like if they've been thinking about trying to get it again or not. Now it's always tough in Canada. Um, travel between like long distances is pretty expensive especially if you're if you're thinking of flying uh driving also takes quite a while when you're coming from like the east coast to the west coast but if they're only getting 10 people in toronto for a national tournament yeah and we're getting 12 for a regional yeah there's an argument there to be made that it shouldn't be in Toronto if they're yeah they have just a larger population center but if there's no one playing the game then mm-hmm. it needs to move to some place that's going to attract the most players not True. that's going to hit the biggest population center just yeah. because yeah and Toronto I think it's far enough away from even from places in the states of, like the, I think the areas below Toronto probably don't get the same kind of turnout maybe like if it, if they move nationals if we had nationals somewhere like Vancouver then we'd all of a sudden I was have... thinking more like Winnipeg oh you know even Winnipeg because you got the Midwest you're very People, central you get up there. It's, yeah. it's like 16 hours from us yeah it, and that's about a... the same as uh, Vancouver from us and it's it can still draw hours. people from the states yeah and it's pretty central from both east and west to yeah I mean, they might right not, in the middle wouldn't be too bad. They, they might not have the player base to justify even trying to hold a tournament, but because I don't know what's going on in Winnipeg, Winnipeg. For <laughs> yeah. neither do I. Player base, yeah. but it it would be the best place for a Canadian Nationals because it can draw from east and west fairly easily. It's not a it's not a hard drive, especially no. like if it's if they actually hold it at a reasonable time of year, like spring or summer. That I would consider making that drive. Oh, totally. Than, it's like Nationals in the states. There's no way I'm going to Virginia. Yeah. even Worlds is hard to get to in the states. Like that's a big well, commitment to go if, to Minneapolis. To... If Minneapolis tournament was not in November. Or middle of winter kind of thing. <laughs> and a if, whole week. If it had been in August, I would have made an effort. Like yeah. I honestly would have made an effort to go. I think probably the dead of winter is the best time to see Minneapolis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just pretend you're on Hoth. <laughs> oh, it's more the drive down there in winter. It's just yeah. Well, we have these things called planes now, Jeff. But they're yeah. expensive. Anyways, yeah. So um, oh, we'll have to see. Hopefully, we get something going up here. It would be nice. But even you no, know, even if. Winnipeg doesn't have that kind of 
draw um, for for Imperial Assault regularly, you know, or or maybe there's no one even really looking to try to set up something like that. It all depends on the local turn. Well, I think it's easier you know. to throw it into a convention or something. As yeah, it's like where they're having regular board game conventions in the larger population centers. It's easier to just kind of include it as an event to draw people, not to make it its own independent thing. And that's kind of the thing too. Like we don't have a lot of conventions up here. No, and the conventions we have are smaller. Like um, in Edmonton, we have a few little gaming conventions but no they're you know the smaller ones being in the 80 people range up to a few hundred people that's that's our conventions. We don't have anything that's so huge where we're talking like thousands, thousands. of people. Um, so, and well, the, actually, the closest thing I think we might get are some of those, um, like almost like Comic Cons. So we have uh, like the 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 uh, expos. We have a few expos that are probably in that range of people, but they're not gaming related. No. So it's all. It's all comic books. It's all comic books and, and, yeah, and cosplay stuff. And, yeah, yeah, and collectible stuff. So we don't get those huge conventions here. We I know Calgary, they have a few that are probably similar to what we have, I think, as far as gaming conventions. You have Falcon down there. Um, I don't know what its kind of attendance is, but I'm going to think it's going to be in the few hundred people, maybe a little bit more. But I, I, I wouldn't think that's going to be in the thousands. Um, and I don't know. Um, maybe it's just an advertising thing. I don't know about like Vancouver or Toronto, what they have for gaming con- events. Nothing that I've heard of. And you would think, like, I've heard tons of them in the States, but then... Yeah, those are the big ones, Those right? are the big ones. There's also, um, you know, people who are doing other podcasts will tend to be talking about the ones that are in the States because they're located in the States. So you know, I think they get a lot more play that way. Um, whereas here in Canada... Yeah, we don't... Um, we can go south to Calgary to participate in other yeah. tournaments, but there's nothing else close yeah. around yeah. us. That Wide open expanse. Yeah. <laughs> and this Nova Open, it's a tabletop wargaming convention. So it's like, it's a whole, you know... It, it's not focused on nationals. It's just part of its... It is part of its thing. Like, they're going to be doing a ton of stuff, it looks like, um, for over four days. You know, it's and, like even the Worlds. The Imperial Assault Championship was probably the smallest turnout of the other three... Right. Right. Four games that they do, yeah, because they have um, Armada, Armada, X-wing. X-wing. Now they're got their Destiny, yeah. Which I don't know what it probably didn't have much of a turnout then because I don't think they new. had it then. It may have been may not have been out yet. That's but true. there's one other one other product lines that they run tournaments for that isn't Star Wars related. Um, oh well, they have a Netrunner maybe. Yeah. Yeah, because I think that one has a pretty big following. That's one I never got into. And I do like the Android universe, but yeah, I never got into that whole the Netrunner card game. Just just some of the board games. Um, but looking at this, yeah, Novacon, and yeah, I wish we had stuff like this here. <laughs> something, something like bigger like this. Just mean we'd be spending more money on the game. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. <laughs> yeah. And that's one thing. We're getting lower turnouts in tournaments, and I don't think it's because the quality of the game isn't there. I think it's because the price point of the game is getting too high. And, yeah, that's true. If you get out of the game for two months you can come back and be like well now i have to buy another 150 dollars worth of Mm -hmm. merchandise just to be competitive competitive and it's not necessarily that's required yet because it seems like you said they were you know they they replaced a map with another core map so you can't really hoth is no longer necessary yeah hoth is no longer necessary and i think twin shadows is no longer necessary so it's just, just Bespin and the core set Bespin right now core. are being yeah. used for map pieces. So if you are jumping into the game, that's less you technically have to buy. But, but there are always units that you yeah. want that are only available in And if you want to be sets. competitive, you definitely need Java's Realm. You definitely yes. oh, yeah. need the... Well, maybe not Hoth, but well, what Bespin. What Hoth bring? It brought, it brought some good stuff. Depending on faction. Depending on, like, depending on faction, true. Yeah, But Bespin brought in a bunch of good characters and the ISBs. Yeah, like there's 
yeah, the, it, to stay up to date with the game and to have the options available so that you can build a list that's going to have a chance at a tournament, you need it all. You really do, yeah. I was looking at the the gaming list for this NovaCon. They got Blood Bowl. Mm. <laughs> that's kind of cool. That's coming back. Um, it's not part of Imperial Assault, but it's still... Still cool. Still cool. Still cool. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool. I'd argue better than the Imperial Assault, but oh, that's wow. preference. <laughs> that's a, well, you know, a bold statement, it's sir. A, no, it's a it's, different game. It's a very yeah. different game, but it's, it's a game get, that's been around a long yeah, time. I don't want to get too sidetracked into like Blood Bowl and everything, but it has the the element of team growth that Imperial Assault doesn't. Like Imperial yeah. Assault, every time you play, it just it's reset, replay. Right. With Blood Bowl, it's play, see your players advanced, yeah. and it, I mean if you have a player die on the pitch or like oh crap that guy's been in like 10 games and this is three skill ups kind of thing right so, because you improve your players over time yeah you know? there's there's value there to each model well not not in all teams I don't say that you know if you lose a goblin you lose a goblin who gives a <laughs> shit but <laughs> but other teams like elves and stuff it's yeah player progression just gives it that slight notch up for me I, I do miss the original board, though. I, I don't know. Yeah, I'll have to dig my stuff up. I'm pretty... I, I can pretty see sure maybe I that getting it. 3D printed. By the original have you pitch. seen the new board, They're, the new pitch this, that they have? Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's double-sided. Yeah. Um, and, and it's a pretty big... Like, it's <clears throat> it's pretty good construction, like... It, for the board, well, there's still yeah. cardboard. Yeah, it's still like cardboard. a standard kind of board yeah. layout. Like we're talking it, about the original pitches, yeah, the original that were the styrofoam. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> yeah, it was like a plastic. Put them together. Right? I, I can't remember yeah. what material it was made out of, but you know, it, it looked like it was. Uh, you know, it was, I think they intended for this thing to to look like it was made out of like granite or yeah. something like that. It was this. You know, gray and you know, rough kind of texture. Looks to like it if you and, fall down for that, go for it. You deserve to have been hurt. That's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now that's the version I had too, and I think may still have. I have to go digging through my old stuff and and, yeah. and dig it out because it's been a while since I've looked at it, and I don't even remember what I had for factions. I think I just had whatever came base in the box, which would have been at the time probably humans and orcs, more more than likely. And I remember buying some dwarven stuff. I think I had dwarves as well. See, and I never, I've I, never I just, owned Blood Bowl. Yeah, but the first time I played it was with friend Kelsey when yep. we were back in high school and I don't even know what version we played. Yeah. <laughs> so but it got me hooked and then the it was kind of years later Cyanide made the computer version. And then I played it religiously in a for like a organized league with that yeah. for years. So that got me hooked and now I've been looking at the game enviously going, okay, I need to justify spending <laughs> the money yeah, <laughs> to my wife uh, somehow. <laughs> I, I would love to get back into the, into Blood Bowl and that's exactly why I'm avoiding it. Yeah. I am dumping I don't know. I, I could probably probably have put myself through med school based on what I'm <laughs> what spending I'm spending on, on IA. Yeah. <laughs> and and I just don't know if I can do it again. Well, at least with Blood Bowl, you go with one team. You pick a team. There might there'll be some guys that come out for that team, but then I don't think there's going to be a, a lot of like extra stuff. I I could be wrong though. I don't yeah, know. It's, it'll be it'll be you know. And I, I think Jeff, you and I talked about this a little bit the other night. Was um, you know fantasy fl- or not fantasy flight, but uh, Games, Games Workshop, Workshop will be you know releasing teams. Yeah, and you know they're they're a little bit slower to release them, which might take the sting out a bit. But yeah, but uh, you know eventually they'll they'll release you know a whole bunch of teams and anybody jumping in. You know, a little bit late, just like I oh. is gonna. Is no, gonna but you don't have to buy every team. Blood Bowl. Oh, no, I, I get that, but <laughs> okay. Well, you don't. Ha- but other the people don't have to like, buy yeah. every team. Like that, the crack addicts true. like me, will have to have it all. 
but True. for the average person, if they you proxy the miniatures for the teams to see if you are going to like them, and yeah. then invest in that team or teams that you know you enjoy, they're going to enjoy and, playing. and then not get. For me, that's still quite a few teams. Yeah. I mean, yeah. That, that's and, why. I and the, you're also talking about the difference between Games Workshop and Fantasy Flight Games. Fantasy Flight Games has a model. They have a, a business model that's around releasing a game and supporting that game. Yeah. And mm-hmm. even if it's not the most popular game in the world, like Imperial Assault is a great game. You know, a lot of people love it. But, you know, you see, we in our, in our tournaments, we can get four to six people sometimes, if we're lucky. Um, when it's really good, um, we're getting 10 to 12 people. And hopefully these regionals will we'll see, see on, more. Hopefully we'll see more. Maybe we can get up to sixteen. That'd be great. But you know, it's not. We're talking not talking huge numbers. But they're still supporting the game because it's not just a, re- a, a skirmish game. It's also this campaign thing too, which yeah. people like. You know, it has that main purpose that like people just buy this game to play the campaigns, and that's what they enjoy. It, it's hard to say what to like. I'll be interested to see the turnout this yeah. weekend to yeah. bring us back to IA completely. Yeah, <laughs> Blood Bowl, but. <laughs> no, no. Uh, the the problem last year was we held our store championship and we had an amazing turnout for our store championship we did. last yeah, year. We had a good tr- it, it was tr- like yeah. twelve or fourteen people or something like yeah. that we had. And then we went to the regionals and there's actually less people at regionals. Yeah, they yeah. had ten last year. Yeah, and it, it it was like well that that was counter to what I expected. Yeah, if absolutely. you're if you're in store championships and trying to win store championships, just it doesn't exclude you from going to regionals just because you didn't win. So I would have expected double the people. To be at regionals but people aren't willing to make that effort here to get to the tournaments if they're a little ways away yeah because it's, it's a three-hour drive from here and for regionals not, i'm sorry not regionals store championship we had some people who i think were coming from north of edmonton as well so we were we actually got some people who weren't um were north of st albert because it took place in st albert which is just north of edmonton but it's like right there and we had some people who you know maybe they drove a few hours or an hour or two to come yeah to it whereas those same people if they wanted to go to regionals well, four to five hours yeah it's an even bigger commitment because they're driving you know several hours now to, to get down to calgary so and then like in the last year we've seen a huge drop off in participation in tournaments yeah. that used to see like before summer hit we yeah. were our lowest number i think was eight that yeah. i had been to in our local store even for our casual sessions you know our casual days we were getting you we were getting six as a regular so eight yeah now we're lucky to get four uh, we, we actually got six i think the other day so yeah, it's just nice. the other night yep. it's maybe picking up a bit it's hard to say maybe new people are getting into it and that's helping but i'm just curious if it's the the buy-in like people are yeah. tired of buying more product just to show up to do kind of a repetitive skirmish type game right whereas if the price point didn't keep going up maybe they'd still be showing up but it's hard i don't i'm not blaming fantasy flight for trying to support their product and keep money flowing in i mean that's they have to to keep the game going and you don't want it to be stale where nothing changes for months on end Mm -hmm. but there is it's kind of at this tipping point i think where if they keep forcing new stuff on people i I just i feel like the participation is just going to keep going down yeah potentially i guess well saturday will tell yeah Yeah. that's why i'll i'm curious to see how many people are going to be there saturday and i'm hoping for everyone's sake that there's going to be like 16 to 18 people there just so that it's a healthy yeah tournament it, that you know it, it shows that it's maybe growing somewhere else if not 
locally if for not us. right here yeah um so that's why we try to encourage people to come out but it, it is tough for people to make that commitment to drive down yeah that few hours to calgary but well, there we go uh so that's the imperial salt segment okay well that's our end of our episode thanks for listening uh, make sure you uh, follow us at uh, at our website at www.boardnowgaming.com. That's B-O-A-R-D. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash boardnowgaming. And we're also on Twitter at boardnowgaming. Uh, you can subscribe to our podcast through iTunes or Google Play. And we have a guild on Board Game Geek. So, you know, maybe check it out. Uh, look for us there and uh, comment on our, our shows and, and maybe we can get a dialogue going. But um, thanks for listening. And until next time, keep on gaming.